0: The Rock of Portland. One, oh, one. KUFO. Portland. Portland.
1: Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now.
2: It is 35 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of June, in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Monday, June 1st, and I'm just going to start with this phrase. Bausch Loam settles...
0: 600 eye fungus lawsuits. Yeah. Oh, th- those are the kind of contacts I wear. <laughs> oh God, The I eye fungus just, kind?
3: I was scratching my eye when you were saying that, too. Oh,
0: yeah. no. No. Well, that, that is good news.
2: Uh-huh. Over the past year, away from the glare of public scrutiny, the article continues until now. The Optical Products Company has quietly settled nearly 600 cases involving a eye fungus. More than 700 lens wearers in the United States, Tim Riley, Sarah Dillon, say they were exposed to a potentially blinding infection involving a fungus covering the surface of their eye. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Hey, good morning. It's gonna be a fantastic week. I can, <laughs> I can just sense it. And Tim actually just put his hands over his face. Alright, well I'm glad to help. It is the Rick Emerson show. We are here in uh, downtown Portland, Oregon. If you would like to join us, it's 503 uh two uh, and I know I said Portland, Oregon. It doesn't make any sense. 503-228-4101. 503 228 4101 503 228-4101 if you would like to be a part of today's show you can also email if it's uh, if you like it's rick at rick emerson.com rick at rick emerson.com. sarah with an h at uh, kufo.com tim at kufo.com or nibbler n-i-b-l-e-r at kufo.com coming up today we have uh, tickets to see motley crew at crew fest so we're going to be doing this week it's uh, Sort of a 5 4 3 2 1 thing. So today, fifth row tickets. Tomorrow, fourth row tickets. All the way up to Friday when we have first row tickets uh, to Crew Fest 2, uh, which is happening at Clark County Amphitheater, part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. So today, a uh, Motley Crew Crew Fest prize pack that is a Crew Fest DVD from last year and fifth row seats to Crew Fest 2 at Clark County Amphitheater. That's coming up uh, later on in the uh, show. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian is going to be joining us today. Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we'll also talk to Jim Roop from Los Angeles, uh, penis watch coming up today.
0: Let's see what else.
2: Uh, weekend box office wrap up. I just said that with Christy Turnquist. Uh, we have this fantastic story from, uh, from Italy. How do you pronounce this guy's name? The um, the, the prime minister, Silvio.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Berlusconi. Berlusconi. Yes, yes. Do you have this story? I don't. Where it says he's not just denying an affair, he's denying denying quote, a spicy affair. <laughs> Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi has denied having an affair with an underage girl, and said he would resign if he was caught lying about it. Mr. Berlusconi said that if someone asked, quote, this is what makes uh, Italy different from us, did somebody ask this at a press conference, they said, did you have a spicy relationship with a minor? Not just a relationship with a minor, but uh, one that was particularly saucy in nature. He said, absolutely not. He didn't deny having the affair, of course, just the fact that she was underage at the time. I thought it was spicy. Yeah, uh, yeah, he didn't deny the spiciness, actually. Just the underage aspect of said spiciness. All right, so uh, we'll get to that. A whole bunch of other stuff to get to. Uh, Darwin Watch coming up today. All kinds of things. All right. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Uh, good morning. How are you today?
3: Hello. I'm doing well. I spent the entire weekend in the sun. You look tan. I do?
2: Now, how much of that is from tanning, and how much of that is from the sun?
3: Oh, no, I haven't been, um, like... My tanning package, I haven't used it in weeks.
2: So, this is just from hanging up by the stripper pool?
3: Yes, this is the stripper pool yesterday. Excellent. It was kind of amazing. And yeah, that's about it. Just a lot of sitting in the sun, in the pool, in stripper soup.
2: Awesome. And this isn't your apartment, though. This is uh, Heather's apartment?
3: It's, yeah, it's Heather's. Oh,
2: okay. You have to take a photograph of something. Well, maybe not a photo, but I mean, at some point, I have to come by and see the strippers. No, I got
3: into, like, I, I got into, um, like almost fisticuffs up the small child yesterday.
2: I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think uh, I know. children fall in the category of people you're not allowed to punch when they irritate you.
3: I know, but they were so rude. They're like these little terror kid like children who like their parents aren't paying attention to them. They're not at the pool with them. So they're just like these horrible little children. Ill-mannered
2: ruffians is what they were. They were
3: ill-mannered. So I I got into um an argument with a 12-year-old.
2: I almost got I almost wish you would just because I like the idea of I like the idea of there being a headline of you, uh, you know, or sort of some sort of news coverage of you being led away from the pool in handcuffs after having punched a small child in the face. Just because it's so awful on so many levels that I almost kind of want to see it happen. Excellent. Let's be close. (laughs) All right, let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley, ladies and (laughs) gentlemen.
0: In the news with Tim Riley. Okay, we have a lot going on as we speak. Good morning, everyone. It is 5.05. More terrific summer weather to begin the week with at least a couple of days of it anyway. Highs in the 80s. Right now, we're getting ready for GM to formally declare bankruptcy. That should come any moment soon. And we understand that uh, Chrysler has solved their problems. They will merge with Fiat. More about that a little bit later. But first, locally, more kids are killed by a deranged parent, James Gunn, that took his two kids to Hillsborough's Jackson Bottom Wetlands Park, shot them to death, then turned the gun on himself. He was undergoing a divorce. Meanwhile, funeral services were held for four-year-old Eldon Smith, who drowned following a fall from the Selwood Bridge after allegedly being pushed by his mother, who's also in a custody battle. Nineteen-year-old OSU student Nicholas Dwyer arrested for bringing a bomb on campus during a music festival. Didn't go up. He was initially ticketed for public urination. Then a guy threatened to detonate a bomb in the Covington, Washington neighborhood. He was shot dead by a SWAT team after pointing a high powered weapon at them. He made a two hundred fifty pound fertilizer bomb. Well let's hope that's all the North Koreans have. They're getting awfully close for comfort. They're a couple of weeks away from telling us whether or not they have a long range missile capable of reaching Alaska. Here's the thing Wake that up f- Sarah Palin. The thing that freaks me out about um about North Korea. They're scowling goose stepping commies. That's what freaks me out about them. <laughs> the sour pussies. Well, yeah, also that it's just that Kim Jong Il doesn't look good. He looks bad. You see, he appears to have
2: some sort of progressive wasting disease, and that's always the time when those guys are the most dangerous because they just figure, you know, like
0: you don't have to do a Nixon and take the briefcase away from him. Well, later.
2: that's the, that's the thing, right? At some point, you figure some guy in the North Korean cabinet or whatever, or is he some other guy that is he one of those uh, Hussein types? that is just he has some uh, sort of psychotic kids that he's going to be handing this off to. Mm. What was it? What were the name of Saddam's kids? The who, they, who, who say they? and who, who there and. Who this? And
0: they they fed you know people to tigers. They kept it chained in their basement. And that was the whole thing. Is
2: that like Saddam? It was it was going to be like Saddam II, the next generation, and he was going to hand it off to these two like psychotics that were going to run the whole place once he was gone. And I think I read somewhere that Kim Jong Il is doing that. He's got some crazed lunatic son who just sits around and just uh, pleasures himself while drinking American whiskey and waits for his dad to to kick the bucket. But that's what they did with Nixon in the final days. They sort of. They sent some message to the Defense Department. They're like, look, um, if if Nixon wants to bomb anybody, come and double check with us before you do that. OK, great. Thanks, because they were afraid that he would just sort of torch the whole planet in a fit of, of irritation and annoyance. But Kim Jong Il seems to have he didn't he, he seems to have shrunk a lot since the last time I saw him on television, because they just they used to just show that one clip of him standing on a balcony like the pope sort of waving at the assembled throngs who were looking up at their glorious leader. And between that clip, and I realize now that I don't even know when that clip is from or when it was shot, that and now, he's gotten a lot older and he's gotten a lot sicker. So I don't know if there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, sort of I feel terrible, I will take whole world with me Uh, kind of a thing going on. But he freaks me out.
0: So anyway, they built a new launch pad close to the Chinese border, which means apparently it's closer to us, especially Alaska and the Northwest. And this is going to be the first time that they uh, they fired a missile from this place. So they have no idea how far it's going to go. <laughs> well, that's great. It could just fizzle. Yeah. I always like it when
2: countries have a, sort of an experimental stage they're going through with all kinds of weapons of mass destruction. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun for everybody.
0: There we have an Air France jet missing. It was en route from Paris to Brazil. There are 228 people aboard. It
4: could mean that the airplane is flying at a lower altitude than... And the uh, radar can pick it up at, which means that once it travels below that level, that the radar can no longer see that airplane. But that doesn't mean that airplane is is out of the air.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll find out. Then we have Susan Boyle. You know, we have so many big stories already. First of all, apparently she had some mental breakdown. or Maybe she's just too tired. But she's now at a private clinic, so she's doing a little bit better. She doesn't have to uh, use the same clinic everyone else is. She's at Priority Clinic. A day after she finished behind a male dance group in Britain's Got Talent television show, she was heavily favored to win, watched by over 19 million people. Of course, ten times more probably on YouTube, the world's biggest television network. Here's the weird thing about it. and I, She is under contract, and she is going to be on tour regardless, and she is going to be appearing here. And she's going to be on,
2: they've, they've already signed some deal for her to be on that Ugly Betty show, mm-hmm. uh, too. And the uh, the article I was reading in the, in the, the Sun over the weekend, which is the world's finest newspaper. It is. Uh, that she's already—they figured that she's got eight million pounds, so like around sixteen million dollars worth of endorsement deals and and concert revenue—and they figured that whatever the, the record she puts out is just going to sell like like gangbusters. Here's the weird thing I've realized, um, and we'll talk more about Anthony Bourdain, who was here on Friday night and uh, Cinematic Titanic, which was both Friday and uh, Saturday. I went to the Saturday show, which was uh, which was fantastic. But Bourdain made this interesting observation. He said that when he goes to other countries, he said that he has he has no problem sort of going to very outlying sort of rural uh, kind of you know, fringe uh, locations across, uh, you know, overseas or when he goes to some other nation. But of course, but he just he he just can't bring himself to do the same thing when he's here in America. So if he goes to Vietnam, he can go to some tiny village where there's just like five guys there who eat dirt clods, you know, but, but he would rather just be hung up by his heels and just beaten savagely than go to some tiny place in Kansas. And I have I think that I've identified that same characteristic in myself as it regards reality shows because I just can't bring myself to be a fan of American Idol. But, of course, as soon as like the Susan uh, Boyle thing started happening, it, it, I would just it, 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 track it constantly online for reasons that I can't really explain. But um, I did see that thing this morning that she's apparently in some sort of nut hatchery because she's, uh, she's gone a bit wacky.
0: She was comforted by a psychologist hours before giving the last Rosani performance in front of millions of her fans. They were backstage. She was also given extra time on stage, and uh, people are going to be talking about this all day. She's dubbed the "Hairy Angel." I don't know by <laughs> whom. Really? Yes. The Hairy Angel. Yeah, well, good for you, Susan Boyle. Okay. So uh, we'll find she'll be fine eventually. Let's see. She got a minute more than the other singers. She was allowed two minutes fifty seconds to perform "Memory" for the musical Cats.
2: Doesn't she look like a woman who would serve you lunch in high school?
0: She does. All right. We'll give you a little bit extra. Yes. Well, uh, the Octo-Mom will not vanish quietly. Now she's uh, taking the reality TV route to more fame. We knew this was going to happen. She has had a deal with the British production company iWorks to build a show around her and her 14 children. Her attorney calls the series a quasi-reality show, which will turn the lens on the controversial mom and her family only to select milestones such as birthdays and special events. Then she's got a book deal in progress also. Then I have one other thing here. Uh, let's see. Her new home is $564,900, and she is also in debt from the old house at $534,000. So they're guessing that it'll be easier to buy a new home than to uh, dig the, the old house out of the hole because the Octo-Grandma's home... I'm so confused. It's really- being sold to the highest bid. So she's living in Octo-Grandma's house. <laughs> Octo-Grandma Octo-grams. Is, is auctioning it off at 1130 this morning. This is the Pomona house. Uh, is
2: this the house where the Octomom
0: lives now?
2: Yes. But she's moving into another house.
0: Right. And no, who's paying for it. that
2: one? Uh, you are, somehow. Hooray! Good for me. <laughs> Maybe I can visit. All right. Well, let's do this. We'll get uh, caught up straight ahead. More news from Tim Riley uh, later on in the next hour. We will have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City about the uh, the final official, actual, no fooling. They're really uh, doing it this time. Bankruptcy filing of GM later on. Jim Roop will talk about Octomom uh, and uh, Jay Leno. And we have Crewfest two tickets, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock One Hundred One KUFO on Monday morning. Is this the part where I talk over the music? Excellent. It's the sure Rick Emerson is. Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. It is Monday morning. Uh, coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum talks about the implosion of General Motors, which we now own how much of, Tim? Uh, 60%. That's great. Let's, let's hear it for us. Like owning 60% of a landfill. Uh, we have Crew Fest two tickets we're gonna be giving away later on today, fifth row tickets and a DVD from last year's show. Uh, tomorrow, fourth row, third row, et cetera, all the way up till Friday when we're gonna be giving away front row tickets uh for that. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley.
4: In the news with Tim Riley.
0: Five twenty-six, Monday morning. More terrific summer weather this week, high temperatures in the eighties. Okay, so let's try to sort out all this bankruptcy, Maloney. So, GM has officially filed for Chapter 11. What does that mean? Well, you, the taxpayer, now own 60% of it. I know you didn't ask for it, but it's an exciting bonus as being an American. Then, what does that mean to you? Well, I have it written down here. It doesn't mean very much. GM will close down a dozen plants permanently. Doesn't affect any of us, but the people who work there, it does. They're going to start building 10 million instead of 16 million cars a year because not that many people want them. Are we buying 10 million cars a year? Hopefully we will. Really, is that
2: is that what passes for a financial plan now? Yeah. So we're going to build these, and then we'll put them out there, and ideally somebody at some point will come by with They'll thirty grand. Hideous. They didn't. They didn't
0: know they had. They'll look hideous. All right. So they're going to shut down Saturn and Hummer, but warranties will continue to be honored in all GM vehicles. So if you want, when you're you're okay. So when you say shut down, you mean like Pontiac, where they just close it all together, yeah. or they're yeah. just going to take a break? No, No gone uh, really so maybe somebody else can buy these up they're shutting down production and they're not saying when they're coming back if at all but uh, who wants to buy a hummer these days i mean everyone who, who had one got rid of them for something the same size that that had something on the back stuck on there that said hybrid <laughs> even though it still got like 10 miles to a gallon anything put hybrid on it i care about i care about the environment regardless of whether or not it's true or not i uh Hey, here's an idea. Well, I got two things. It's One, like the word like, put on things that make you fat. <laughs> L-I-T-E. Yes. Uh, that I means g- healthy,
2: you know. Uh, two things. One, did you ever read that interview? I mean, it was maybe like six months ago, but I th- it became pretty instantly notorious. And it was in the Portland Tribune. It was with some some guy, some, some douche who owns a Hummer here in Portland, and he, he gets 11 miles to the gallon. And even then, I think the recession had kind of kicked into full gear, but he was he was... I mean, I guess in a way, you have to sort of admire his chutzpah that he was trying to make this kind of full-throated defense of, the, of still driving a hum around. He was making some point about, well, you know, uh, I don't ever don't ever get stuck any, in any ice or anything. I mean, it, uh, it certainly has traction. And, I mean, it was, it, it was sort of a fascinating exercise in self-delusion just to read this interview with this guy who clearly had bought this massive boondoggle uh, of a vehicle. So there's that. Secondly... Uh, for the inevitable t- day when KUFO is ordered to create some sort of environmental uh, uh, program or some sort of—I don't know—when we're, we're tasked with creating some sort of—I um, don't know—some sort of save the earth uh, sort of nonsense here, I propose that we uh, that we form a, like a sort of an environmental only street team and we just call them Gang Green. There you go. You we, file we, that away.
0: We do have a hybrid. Do we? That big thing out there is a hybrid. A hybrid what? A vehicle? Yes. You're lying. Where? In the parking lot? Yeah, the KUFO vehicle. That thing's oh, yeah. massive. That thing's the size of a it, house. It's a, it's a massive hybrid. <laughs> okay. Don't ask me how. That quali- Al Gore would be proud. Let me ask you that this. That has a sticker on the back that says hybrid.
2: I don't mean to sound the I don't, mean, do? I don't mean I don't mean sound foolish. It just sort of it sort of just works out that way. What does hybrid mean? I mean, does it mean it's half electricity? It's half gas, half something else. But what is the other half? What is the something else, Sarah? I guess battery.
0: What is the other half? I have no idea. You shovel oats into it. And runs. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what. Hey, there's a
4: team of miniature Clydesdales underneath the hood
0: Well, it's parked. I don't know.
2: <laughs> it's just got a removable floor panel, so you can stick your feet at the bottom like a, like a bedrocky. And all right, hey Greg Nibbler, do you know what the other half of the hybrid is? What is, is it? Uh, what what is that exactly?
0: I think he's it's saying. a lot. Is he that's typing it?
2: it <laughs> it's half gas, half deception. <laughs> All right. It's is half he, wishful uh, thinking. Is he, is he half, half pleasant dreams and fairy dust?
0: No, it's, it's huge. How could it be a hybrid? It's right. just as big as the Hummer was.
2: Is he typing it or is he uh, what seems to...
3: It says the gas section charges a battery.
0: Comment. Well, what is that? But that's the same with the regular. Okay, Greg, would you come into the studio for a so second? So if it runs out of gas... It goes onto the battery. I
2: don't understand how that works because in your regular
0: car, your gas
2: charges the battery. It's what you're, even I know this. That's what your alternator's for. Well, apparently, it keeps it running. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying KUFO is deceiving its audience, but I, okay, Greg, what is the, what is the other, what's the hybrid mean? Okay, what's well, the other half?
0: Well, so the KUFO one, I, I know how this one works. It, you start off on gas, but then once you're going, it's charging up an electrical battery. So then once you're going, it'll switch. To the electric side by itself. By itself, yeah, it 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 automatically does it. So wait, so the gas is just there to start the car and to get you
2: up to speed. Yeah, to get you up to speed. Like once you're going, you're still using gas. So really, how efficient I don't know. But once you're going, you do save some gas. So when you, so once you're going, does the gas portion just turn off altogether? Yeah, it just does it on its own. Like automatically switches back and forth. So then, so so once you are up to like a cruising speed. Now, mm-hmm. what if you're starting and like what if you're driving around and going to stoplights and stop signs? And I think then it's on gas. Yeah, because w- once you
4: have to stop and go a whole bunch, then it switches to gas. So
0: then the battery. Well, is... Wouldn't that be true for the entire Portland metro area? <laughs> yeah, yeah, So they, they really, were stopping yeah. stopping at lights. So every if 10 feet. so, if I'm driving through
2: the Mojave <laughs> Desert, it, it,
0: right? If you're or Wyoming, or if we're going to a remote in Wyoming. So if I am or living some in a desolate
2: area, if I'm living in a town where there are in fact no stop signs or stopping points of any kind. Then I'm going to be doing the world a whole big favor by driving this around. But, of course, in those times, there's nowhere you need to drive to anyway. That is absolutely that true. Is, that
0: is fantastic. Yes. American ingenuity is what it is. Well, All right. You can't Thank get you. out of downtown Portland without encountering at least a dozen detours no, I, and mandatory stops, no, I, even in the middle of the night. Sure it's, I'm sure it's a great thing for the earth, Tim. Well, let me talk about Chrysler, okay. another useless thing. Uh, they have signed a deal. They're going to be taken over by the Italian automaker Fiat. This is a 47-page document. They're going to use uh, $700 billion in TARP funds to restructure the uh, car company. The new company will be known as Crested Group LLC and will have the most profitable parts of the old company. So don't ask me who gets the parts that nobody wants. But, but that's the end of that. So let's talk about uh, Oregon's unemployment rate. There are jobs out there. Oregon's Employment Department claims there are plenty of jobs to be filled. Most of them are in retail, fast food, waiter's, Waitresses, cashiers, and nursing. There are a total of forty six hundred job openings right now. Salaries in four of the c- categories around twenty thousand dollars to twenty eight thousand.
2: Wait a minute, when you say forty six hundred job openings now, is yes, it in the whole city? In
0: the whole state. In
2: the whole state? Yes. That, that seems low. I mean I, I mean I know it's no, a, it seems hard. I know it's a recession at all. But, but but how many people live in Oregon? Uh, three million, a little over 3, three million. Mi- so in a, in a state of three million mi- live around here. So in a state of three million people, you're telling me there are only four thousand job openings? Yes. See, I even now I expected it to be somewhat higher than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that but does I, sound really small. I guess that's only on the books jobs, though. That like that's not like that. Didn't count like you're sort of under the table stuff or moonlighting stuff right. or you know landscaping or any of those things that are that tend to be a cash business. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: So uh, let's see here. So these uh, go from twenty twenty eight thousand. Nurses average more because it's a little bit more cerebral than serving fast food. Nurses make, uh, it says here, average more than seventy one thousand dollars a year. Let
2: me just tell you this. Here's the thing about nursing. That's a growth industry. You know why? You go. You look around this. Well, th- people are getting sick and fast. ass country of ours. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I don't Dude, know why I don't feel bad. You... <laughs> I just seem to. I just seem to lack pep.
0: <laughs> trying to lug this skin around
2: just like walking wheelbarrows full of lard um let you me just bury
0: me in a piano case was a... i was feeling fine till i put on a little bit of extra weight i can't seem to take it
2: off <laughs> well my metabolism is a little on the slow side i uh just really quickly about fat people because there'll be lots more to say about it there. And there's going to be is. lots
0: more fat people around for the longer period of time.
2: I uh, I happen to be downtown on Saturday night because we were going to the second night of the Cinematic Titanic thing, which was uh, which was uh, quite wonderful. But, of course, what else was happening Saturday night? Anyone? Portlanders? Oh, uh, some run or... The Rose Festival? The Rose Parade, Parade. The Starlight oh, Parade. I guess not the actual Rose Parade, but the Starlight Parade, which is the one at night. People so, go buying cars waving. Oh, man. You, it, sitting... But, it, it, I mean... Look, I understand that it's a great—it's jackasses watching traffic. That's what it is. You, you, I mean, you are sitting there watching traffic. Uh, but you know, whatever. To each his own. So I—I uh, I went downtown with Laura, and we—we we were down there. At, I don't know, like seven o'clock or something, which is right before it started. And Cinematic Titanic got out of 10 ten fifteen, which is right at it ended. So we—we we got like both ends of it. But. Damn, we're just a bunch of big loads on feet uh, in in this city, and in this state, and in this country. I mean, just everywhere you went, just people were huge. I mean, and just and he and just one final point to make here: at what point did we decide that clothing advertising the fact that you are in fact a big fat whale is a good idea? And I'm looking at you, guy who wears a big dog shirt. Big dog shirts are only worn by fat guys. That's a thing we know. That's just understood. Uh, If you're wearing a big dog shirt, you're huge. There's just I mean, it is it is a full line of clothing specifically targeted at people who have just gone beyond maximum density and have now created their own gravitational pull. Now a
0: steak is now a finger food for most people.
2: (laughs) Yes, all 10 fingers at once. All right. Uh, straight ahead, more news and observations from Tim Riley, Sarah Dillon, and myself. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum from uh, New York City. We'll talk about General Motors, and we have tickets to Crew Fest 2. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's Monday morning. Call 503-228-4101. I'm going to inhale
4: some blueberry jasmine smoke and look arty. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
2: I'm not going to get bogged down in this whole thing, but some listener called Greg and said that he was, in fact, entirely wrong about the hybrid thing. And it's the other way around that the hold on. Don't tell me that the that the gas engine is what you use if you're driving, you know, almost anywhere like where there are stop signs. But that the electricity is what you use on the highway. Yes. No, the other way. Ah, Never mind. You know,
0: screw it. I don't care.
2: Don't own a, I, I don't own a hybrid. It doesn't well, affect me personally.
0: People are going to start talking about this again because the gas prices are going up. Are they? Yeah. They're like uh, $2.59 a gallon. But nope. All right. I mean, I, I I went to get gas at the worst time at noontime at the uh, Shell Station in Tennis Born, and there was this obese woman eating a sandwich while pumping my gas, and it grossed me out so much. It's like, and she touched my credit card. It's like... I went home and washed my hands and my credit card.
2: But if you power sanding your credit card, hold on a second, I have to find some boric acid. I, I
0: mean, she's waddling between cars, eating a sandwich, pumping gas at the Tennis <laughs> Point Shell Station. It really grossed me out. Uh, you can tell she's not from the neighborhood.
2: Uh, give, me, uh, give me a squeegee. Hold on a second. Alright, uh, it is the commercial show. It's Rock 101. Uh, coming up later on, we'll give away a pair of tickets to see uh, Crew Fest 2, ladies and gentlemen, featuring Motley Crue and Godsmack, plus Theory of a Dead Man. It's going to be uh, coming up this summer. That'll be uh, this summer. Clark County Amphitheater. We'll have more details on that uh, in just a bit. We'll do the box office recap as well. Penis Watch coming up today. Darwin Watch coming up today. And, by the way, I just just in case uh, you would like to know more about the particular attitude of Tim Riley on the world and all of its goings on, we had this statement about 20 minutes ago. This is after we'd done the whole sort of opening of the show where we listed off all of the hundreds and hundreds of bad things that are happening all around the world, some of which aren't even done, uh, the happening, they continue to unfold badly for everyone and everybody. We go to a break and Tim just says, quote, well, regardless, it's time for oatmeal. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, it is Tim Riley. And now that that's not true, course,
0: it is. I have made that statement, and it is in fact true. Whatever's going on, I always take a break for oatmeal, early in the morning, during it, first and feel a lot better.
2: Well, the things that matter that keep us uh, you know keep us sane.
0: Papers, please. You're going to need documentation to cross in and out of Canada starting today. These were the new rules that include children that were sent into law because of 9-11, and they're only taking effect now. So I don't know what you needed before. Apparently, you didn't need anything.
2: I think you could just. Uh, I think you could just cross the border. I think you could just. But they they would occasionally search you. It, would, it was like you know what it is. It was like going to uh, like if you're going to New Mexico via like like if you're going from San Diego to Tijuana, mm-hmm. where they like pull people out of line randomly or you know. Yes, we, I was one of those. Really, going into I, or out I, of.
0: I was taken into the back room upon my arrival in Canada aboard Amtrak, because you can't travel by yourself anymore. No, like you used to. Because you suspicious. I, right. So they kept bringing the dogs toward me, and the dogs wouldn't pay any attention. They kept bringing the dog toward me; the dog didn't care. I had nothing on me to sniff. So finally, uh, you're causing a lot of attention with these dogs. I'm thinking these dogs—you keep pulling them toward me, and they have no interest in me. You already singled me out, whether or not the dogs like me or not.
2: Uh, we're gonna have to scrape off some of your skin flakes in the back room. Uh, so bite they, down on this rag, please. So
0: they uh, took me into the back room.
2: Well, you're not. Well,
0: and, I-, I tried to get me to admit to anything <laughs> that would incriminate me, and it was stupid.
2: The idea that you were singled uh, out, though, because you're traveling by yourself, is sort of why don't you have any friends? Please speak into this lamp. Uh,
0: I think if you are going into, yeah, you're going. I'm always scapegoated because I, I, to some people, because I am shorter than most people, they always think, uh, we can talk him into anything because he's short and he'll be afraid of us because we're taller. Uh Oh no.
2: Oh, it's not. So it's not because uh, because of your stature that perhaps they say, well, perhaps he's from another country. Right. All right.
0: They just want to, uh, you know, prove that they have a bigger part of the anatomy than I do, and that's incorrect, guys. Every time. That's what it's always about. (laughs) Excellent. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, So anyway, we're a month away from the earliest date to launch a recall against Mayor Sam Adams, and opponents, of course, are licking their chops with glee. Even though Adams may have enemies elsewhere, only registered Portlanders may sign the petition to throw him out. There are only two successful efforts to recall politicians in the city since 1914.
2: What is there, so, they, so there's a petition that starts circulating a month from now. That would be, so there'd be, uh, what, the beginning of July?
0: Yeah. And then as, I talked to
2: Anna Griffin for the Oregonian about this, and she said that, and I forget exactly what the, what the whole procedure is, but the bottom line is that it would be November, if, if everything sort of transpired and... All of the switches were thrown in the right order, and he ended up getting booted out. That wouldn't be till November, uh, but it's because I guess it's a many-stage process, and there's multiple cooling-off periods. Yes. So, but uh, it does appear that this is beginning in earnest. So it's going to be a very exciting summer.
0: Politics around the world: Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi has denied having an affair with a teenage girl, and said he would resign if he was caught lying about it. Uh, Mr. Berlusconi said that someone asked him if he had a a spicy, or more than spicy relationship with a minor? His answer would be, absolutely not. I have sworn on this in the lives of my children. Mr. Berlusconi is 72 and is under pressure to explain his relationship with Noemi Letizia.
2: Now, have you seen a picture of her? I haven't. She's, she's 18, an
0: inspired model. She's uh, she's an adult now.
2: She's fully legal. Now She is a model, and I think she's actually, I think she's been a model for a few years. Because I think in, in Italy, the age of consent is sort of, I think it's weird there. I think, I think you're an adult at 16, but, you're, but the age of consent is until 18. Maybe I've got it backward. Maybe the age of consent is 16, but you're not an adult till 18.
0: Well, his wife announced earlier this month she was divorcing him after it was reported oh. that he had attended the 18-year-old's birthday party in <laughs> Naples and given her an expensive necklace. This sounds a lot like... <laughs> That's exactly... If you were to sort of remove the names... If Mayor doesn't... Adams was a heterosexual. <laughs> doesn't it sound astonishingly similar to stories closer to home, Tim? It certainly does. Yes, it does. He said, I cannot remain with a man. Oh, she said, I cannot remain with a man because he's saying, <laughs> I cannot remain with a man who consorts <laughs> with minors. It's hard to keep these two politicians separate. Yes. Mr. Berlusconi has uh, gone only to Mrs. Uh, Letizia's party because he happened to be in Naples that day. I was just was in the neighborhood with this friend. diamond necklace. Wow, these two stories are incredibly <laughs> familiar.
2: I was just walking around with this incredibly expensive uh, jewelry in my pocket, and I had no one to whom to give it. I thought Except I would to, just...
0: To Miss Breedlove. Oh, yeah. I mean Miss Leticia. <laughs> would you spell her last name, please? Yes, L-E-T-I-Z-I-A. All right. And what's
2: her first name?
0: Her name is Naomi. Naomi. N-O-E-M-I.
2: All right. Yeah, she's uh, Wow. Well, you know, the first girl, uh, I'm sorry, the first photo that comes up of this girl is, uh, wow, that's that's quite something. The first photo that comes up is of her in uh, her under things, sort of um, looking a little bit like one of those Calvin Klein ads that came out in the mid-90s that were all creepy. It was, looked like a Fiona, Fiona Apple video. Um, well, well done, Silvio Berlusconi. I mean, really, if your wife is going to dump you over some, uh, some girl, this really... Uh this appears to be the type of girl that you want to uh, that you want to go through that for. I mean, really. If it's,
0: I uh, mean, Italy goes through a different government like every month. Yeah, and yeah. It, it continues to to roll on. So no, nobody really cares. Apparently, the comments come a day after the leader of the opposition Democratic Party asked Italians at a European Parliament election rally, "Would you want your children brought up by this man?" Well, apparently they are. Apparently they don't <laughs> care. <laughs> apparently they are being brought
2: up by this man. All right.
0: Uh, oh, masked gunman robbed the Safeway on Northeast 76 over the weekend in the couve. Employees were tied up, and they uh, robbed the safe and a cash register. About 100 rescued miniature American Eskimo dogs are up for adoption at the Oregon Humane Society after being rescued from squalor. The owner has been uh, charged with doing bad things.
2: All right, straight ahead. Is that really? Is that is that the actual uh, the actual description? Yes, it is. That we're going to go with today. That that's mine. All right, straight ahead. Uh, we have. Uh... Sorry, just looking at this uh, looking at this email that is coming in uh, straight ahead we have uh, CN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbau from New York City we'll talk about General Motors later on we'll talk about uh, Jay Leno's final day which is, which I didn't watch by the way and today's the Nobody last watched. day we're Nobody ever watched. talking about Jay Leno never again are we just gonna gonna discuss Jay Leno but tonight is Conan O'Brien's first night so that's why we care about that uh, motley crew tickets to give away as well plus Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian stay there it's the Rick Emerson show it's rock 101 KUFO. don't go anywhere. UFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday morning. It's 503-228-4101. Uh, by the way, you can go to uh, rickemerson.com and you can see a, a photograph of this... Uh, Whatever her name is, uh, her name is Naomi Letizia. You can see a photograph of her at RickEmerson.com. This is the uh, this is the 18-year-old that uh, Silvio Berlusconi was the prime minister of Italy. I know you don't really care about any of this, uh, but you you go there, you can actually you can see the photograph of her, and then you can click on the link, and it'll take you to a uh, to a story that kind of tells you the uh, tells you all the wonderful details. Now, he just happened to be walking by her 18th birthday party with a diamond necklace. Where did you even find that body. picture? Uh, it's from the article. That's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it's uh, I'm sure it's all a coincidence though Sarah. It's one it's a misunderstanding. By the way, I've just got I've got a little bit from from the actual story. It says here, it was this is the model talking. She says, "Quote, it was a lovely surprise to see the man I call Pappy at my party. I call him Pappy, but of course, he is second to my father. He gave me a lovely necklace as a present." Silvio Berlusconi, 72. Listen, listen to how great this guy is. He is my new favorite person. So this is the prime minister of Italy. I mean, which, I mean, despite our sort of wacky observations earlier, he is a few steps above mayor. So, I mean, really, you have to. Uh, so, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong here. Is prime minister like, is that like president? Yes, They, they, they don't actually have anything above that. They don't have like a king or a president or anything. No, anymore, they right? don't. So he's the guy. They have
0: the pope living there. But... He...
2: <laughs> yes, but he has I, his own gated community. I was gonna say his his interests lie elsewhere. I think. Also, he's a Nazi. Anyway, so but this is, so he's he runs the whole joint in Italy, right? This guy Berlusconi. Yes. This is how awesome this guy is. So he stops by the birthday party of this uh, hot model, and it's her 18th birthday party. Also, he just happens to have like a fistful of jewels to give her. Guess what else he gave her? And I'm I'm not trying to work blue here, uh, Sarah. What what do you suppose his other gift to her was? Hey there, I'm the Prime Minister of Italy, and you're a hot 18-year-old model. Here's a diamond necklace, and would you also like blank?
3: Um, I don't know, a check?
2: No, no, it's a signed photograph of himself. What? <laughs> right here. Oh, my God. Berlusconi, seven, 72. 72. Also, kids stay in college and uh, get a degree in something. Also also become the Prime Minister of Italy. Berlusconi, 72, also signed a photograph of himself for Naomi, as well as a book in which he had written the following dedication, quote, to my little Naomi, my little graphic artist, signed, wait for it, your little daddy teacher, end quote. Wow. That's wonderful. And then it says, I think somewhat unnecessarily, Mrs. Berlusconi was not happy with this. (laughs) That makes you wonder sort of how it got out, though, like how it must have been. Well, the model must have leaked that, I guess. Well, it had to have been the model. I mean, she's 18. So she must have been like, and then he came over and he gave me a diamond necklace and he signed this book and he gave me a signed
0: photograph of his own face. It's awesome. Well, that's where the paparazzi started. Uh, Is that the thing? Yeah. But I mean, Italian words.
2: And so they must have just, I I was going to say, like, beaten it out of her. But I mean, you're 18. You tell people stuff, right? Mm -hmm. As I mean, as I think we've found out in this city recently, if you're 18 and having relations with some sort of poppy figure. You'll probably mention that to somebody. That's the uh, that's the sort of thing that ends up in your MySpace uh, sort of profile. Uh, it says uh, his wife was not happy with this. In an email to the news agency, Anza, uh, uh, Veronica Lari, who is his wife, criticized her husband's behavior for attending the birthday party, saying, quote, Well, th- this is so bad and great. Listen to what this guy's wife says. So this is the prime minister of Italy. So he get- he's at the 18th birthday for this hot Italian model. Signs a book dedication to her, creepily so. Uh, gives her a diamond <laughs> necklace. Gives her an autograph picture of himself. The wife is all pissed off and says to the newspaper, "Quote that really surprised me because he's never come to the 18th birthday parties of any of our children, despite being repeatedly invited." Wow. End quote. What kind of a weird marriage is that? He has to be invited to his own kid's birthday parties because it doesn't because they're not. It doesn't say that they're that they're divorced. She's divorcing him now. That's a weird family, is everybody in Italy like this, or am I? I thought it was France that was this way. I mean, I guess Italian. I I guess Italians are they're passionate people as well. Uh, Ms. Lario, who is uh, his his wife, also lashed out against his intention to uh, field four young ladies to contest at June's European elections. I don't even know what that means, but I uh, but I like it.
3: But To field for yeah, I don't know. Field for young ladies.
2: It says um, yeah. It says M- Ms. Lario, who is Berlusconi's wife. Lashed out against his intention to field four young ladies to contest or contest uh, at June's European elections. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Anyway, then they have an interview with um, they have an interview with the girl who also has a boyfriend, of course. That's wonderful. So you can see, I love this world. I love this world. I love everything about it. So you can go to uh, RickEmerson.com and you can see a photograph of. I mean, she really, by any definition, has to be called a uh, a striking young lady. So. You can see that at RickEmerson.com and read all of the fantastic quotes that we just had. And it seems like the story's really just now gathering speed. Excellent. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this Monday morning. Still missing that Air France jet. Missing just means crashed, though. That's the thing. But, but that's much, kind yeah. of
3: weird, though. I but like, it, it sounds it's just out of nowhere.
2: It sounds creepier when they say. That's why I do it. When they say missing, yeah. Just, I mean that's that's the thing is I think you're hardwired to find the word missing. Mm-hmm. It's like lost, you know. Like on the show Lost, I mean, they could have just said, like, crashed. You know, what is this show? This show's just called Broken Airplane. But it sounds oh, a lot. It's sp- so much more. Well, I know. But I'm just saying, it, it, it sounds a lot spookier if you say the plane is. Re- like if you said, plane reported crashed off the coast of Brazil, you'd go, like, well, that's terrible. That sucks. And then you'd go back to eating your breakfast burrito. Right. But if you say, plane reported missing off the coast of Brazil. Then, because we all grew up in the sort of post uh, X Files era, and the post uh, you know Art Bell era, and the uh, post In Search of with Leonard Nimoy era, then you think Bermuda Triangle.
0: Or m- remember the time when JFK Junior's plane disappeared, and they just put a camera on the beach to look at the water I like t- it was going to resurface. And that same scene was shown over and over again for hours. I do like remember it was supposed that. Supposed to come back and resurface like a shark jumping out. Well, <laughs> I think they.
2: I think they were. Are you making a mega shark versus giant octopus reference? Yes, I am. Good well, for it's the same thing. Well done, Tim. Well, Ryan. I try to be relevant. JFK Jr. is just like mega shark versus giant octopus. Um, well, I think let's be honest. He was a candidate. I think they were expecting him to walk out of the surf, uh, you know, sort of resurrected Jesus style.
0: Well, it wasn't for his wife's bad habits. Perhaps he would have. <laughs> wasn't he flying a plane with a big cast on his foot though? He wasn't supposed... He shouldn't have been flying it. No, but... and well, he. no Kennedy's supposed to be doing something when they get in trouble. <laughs> and it... and if you're a Kennedy,
2: stay away from the water. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Stay away from the water and stay away from blonde women, because that's, uh, that's also going to end badly for you. No Kennedy in proximity to a blonde has ever had anything good happen to him.
0: And a fortunate feline survives a 26-story fall from a Manhattan high-rise. And Barat... Falls posterior first onto Eminem's face, and it was gross. Oh, this is the Bruno uh, thing. This was it with the VMAs. Was that what it was last night?
2: The MTV Video Awards that nobody ever pays any attention to. Yeah, his I didn't awards. even realize
3: those were last night.
2: Really? But was it? Yeah. was it the Video Awards or the VMAs, or not the VMAs? The Movie Awards. The Movie Awards. Okay, so because oh, okay. it was like Twilight
0: won everything, right? And, and they positioned his... obviously Eminem did not expect this. Yeah, well, he never does. The, and he and they pos Don't ask me how they do it. But they managed to wiggle him around so that the butt ended up right in his face. <laughs> you think he would expect and, like, it, the too. second try.
2: Because they, this is, uh. like, the third time they've done it to that guy. Because
0: he got the... he A um,
2: couple years ago, there was... what's his name. Triumph, the comic insult dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, got got up in his face about something or other. And don't get me wrong. I like Eminem. I really do. And and that new video of his is actually pretty great. I was all primed to hate his new video because I don't really care for that song. His, that, the uh, whatever his, his single is that, the uh, we made you song. I'm not, I'm just not a big fan of that. I, uh, the hook is a lot better than the song is. And he's got that weird accent that he puts on in during the, the rhymes. Have you heard his new, the new Eminem single? No. The hook is really, really great. And the music is really great, but he's got this weird affected speech thing that he's doing. It's, it's like, he's putting on like some weird dialect or something. What's it's going
3: just going to be like thug life.
2: No, it, it's not even that. It's like, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, um, it's not an accent as such. He's just got this weird inflection he's doing on everything, which is anyway. But the video is the video, though is 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 pretty fantastic. The videos the video's hilarious, uh, and he's got uh, and he's got uh, sort of a, a Brett Michaels uh, thing happening in it. Anyway, but he for a guy that can be really funny, he just has no sense of humor about himself at all. That's a guy that just that is a guy. He is the the, the quintessential guy who can dish it out but cannot take it because he got all irritated at a at a. a a canine hand puppet a couple of years ago, and if you're at the, you know the uh, the MTV awards, you gotta figure that they're gonna screw with you in some way. So yeah, so they had uh, they had what's his name, Sasha Cohen as Bruno, come just like ass
0: right in the face. Sasha Cohen's gotten old. Yeah, I, I mean his act is kind of worn out. He needs a ukulele or something. I, I think mean, you so. just can't keep putting your butt in people's faces everywhere. I mean, how often is that funny? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing now. So apparently, at least once more. <laughs> Straight ahead, Steve. Oh, and the last Titanic survivor dies again. Every week there's a new last Titanic survivor dying. Here's another one. They keep digging them up. Yes. Uh,
2: Steve Kastenbaum will talk about, speaking of dying, we uh, will talk about General Motors uh, here in just a few minutes and so forth. Later on, uh, more news from Tim Riley featuring a truly disturbing penis watch and a Darwin watch on the way as well. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will talk about Anthony Bourdain on Friday night and Cinematic Titanic for this weekend and Motley Crue tickets to give away as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show. Did he strike you as being a creepy guy who enjoyed lap dances? Well, no. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Let's see here. Looking down at my notes, trying to read my own handwriting. It's always an exercise in, in fail. Yeah, I got no idea what that means. Uh, next hour, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Crew Fest 2, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's Crew Fest uh, tickets, uh, fifth-row seats, as well as a Crew Fest DVD from last year's show. We're going to be doing fifth-row seats today, fourth row tomorrow, all the way up to first-row tickets to Crew Fest 2 uh, this Friday. It's happening at Clark County Amphitheater, part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. Uh, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian is going to join us as well. Penis Watch on the way. We'll have uh, more news about uh, Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi. You can see the a picture of this uh, 18-year-old model that he has... Uh, a wholly appropriate relationship with uh, rickemerson.com. Uh, also, a Darwin Watch coming up. Tim Riley's also following these headlines on your Monday.
0: Nearly 20% of Portland homes are in distress sale status. That's very bad. Uh, we're about a month away from the early date to launch. A recall against Mayor Adams. A masked man robs the Safeway on Northeast 76 over the weekend, ties up the employees, and takes all the loot. Also... You now own 60% of the biggest industrial failure in U.S. history. Hooray! I mean, crap. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Let's welcome now
4: CNN Radio
2: correspondent from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum joining us. Good morning, sir.
4: You know, what a really good question uh, about this whole GM deal is. Mm. Do we all, as 60% owners in in the new General Motors when it emerges, do we all... Get the employee discount.
2: Hey, that's a good question. And do we all get one of those like stack, uh, stack, uh, one of those uh, stock statements that goes out every you know ninety days or whatever it is, where they sort of give us the lay of the land?
0: Uh, You know what the lay of the land is? If you're retiring, you're forced to take ten cents on every dollar of your retirement fund from GM. That's the lay of the land. Too bad they don't make something people want like breakfast burritos. Ten cents on the dollar. Yeah.
2: How is it? uh, Okay, I got so many questions. I don't even know uh, where to begin here. I mean. I mean, I mean, it's sort of easy to make fun of this, and we do, but but we, you know, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of people affected by this. I mean, to put it to put it mildly, and you know, even here in the show, we know people who uh, who either um, you know work there or have family in you know Detroit and Michigan and the outlying areas and in the auto industry. So, how is that even legal for them to be given ten cents on the dollar retirement? Is that what the bankruptcy court declared? Is that what they ruled?
4: That's that's what bankruptcy chapter eleven protection is all about. It's it's saying. Listen, guys, uh, we would love to pay you if we could, but we can't. So we need some protection from you as we try to restructure and keep the company solvent. So basically, you know, it's protecting uh, GM or any other company that files for bankruptcy against uh, lawsuits and any other uh, seizures or anything like that, because they want to keep the company viable. You want to stay afloat. But you can't do so if everybody's coming after you for the money you owe them. It just
2: is because, God forbid, people actually have to be paid what they were promised. I mean, that's just – that's crazy talk. That
0: would make us a socialist country if that were true. We can't have that here. We
2: we can't be honoring legally binding contracts that we signed with people. That would just be wrong.
4: Well, hey, listen. I mean, if we didn't have Chapter 11 – think of all the industries that have utilized uh, Chapter 11 over the years, especially like the airline industry. You know, we'd have no airlines left. Yeah, But, but, I mean –
2: I'm just saying. It seems to me, for example, Chrysler. uh, You know, Chrysler didn't because Chrysler didn't file bankruptcy, right? Even though, even though this, even though it was adjudicated by this bankruptcy court, that was the thing where they got bought up by Fiat or whatever. It just seems like, and this is just my opinion. It seems like if we're giving all these GM retirees ten cents on the dollar uh, retirement, then. In turn, those are folks that are going to have to lean more on the social uh, structures we've got in place, uh, you know, to, to help support people. In other words, that money is going to still come from somewhere. So it's not like all that money we're saving is, is, is going to make things all flush again, because it's going to go toward those folks. Meaning that it probably at best is a bit of a wash uh, with whatever profit General Motors is eventually uh, going to turn. The whole thing just seems—it just seems just like it's such a such a scam job for so many people. And it feels like we've just—I made this observation earlier. After the year, I think it feels like we now own sixty percent of a sewer. You know what I mean? Like, it, it seems like the government. Let me ask you this. All kidding aside, what is the government? Read our desire. What is our? What is our benefit in owning sixty percent of something that doesn't work?
4: Well, we keep. We'll keep uh, something like two hundred and thirty thousand employees working. So, if all of a sudden. Two hundred thirty thousand employees were unemployed at the same time, and these are mostly assembly line workers. You know, what what else are they going to do but but be a drain on on the U.S. economy if they're all on unemployment at the same time because there's nothing else for them to do.
2: So is it like so? How much did it cost us to do this?
4: Oh, a lot. <laughs> we've already <laughs> sunk, much. We've already sunk uh, almost nineteen and a half billion dollars into GM, and and today. The U.S. government will sink another $30 billion into General Motors to keep it afloat uh, during this bankruptcy period, and they do not expect to get paid back uh, a large chunk of that money.
2: That's great. So, uh, keep on. it's not like I'm trying to make you answer for the sins of General Motors. I'm just trying to understand, for example, because I don't want it to seem like I'm indifferent to the fact that there's all of these, you know, the hundred, as you said, 200,000 folks that work for GM, but if it's going to cost us like $9 billion, I mean, I wonder if anybody said, "Well, look, maybe we ought to just take that money and we'll use it to support these folks and to uh, pay for their living expenses and their retraining, uh, while we, uh, you know, sort of school them on how to create some stuff that's actually going to sell in this country." It just
4: well, that would that would that would be uh, uh, with the presumption that GM cars aren't viable anymore, and that's just not the case. I mean, you look at. What's out there on the streets, and chances are, within a few minutes, you're going to see a bunch of Cadillacs and a bunch of uh, GMC Suburbans, and then you're going to see a bunch of, you know, the, the the new Chevy Camaro. They can't keep it in the dealerships when it comes in. You know, there's a lot of hopes being pinned on that car helping uh, GM in the recovery. Have you seen that Camaro, by the way, yet? It's pretty awesome. I have not. Is that what is it? I thought,
2: uh, I thought, I thought they quit making Camaros a couple years. No, no, no. I'm thinking they of did. something else. They I'm... did, but they they reissued. Oh, they, they br- okay, did. they brought it back.
4: Yeah. And so, so it's not that GM can't sell cars at all. It's not like there aren't buyers out there, but the, you know their financial model just wasn't viable anymore. They, they, I forgot how many thousands of dollars per car uh, were actually going to uh, retiree benefits and and that sort of thing. So that's what was really causing uh, GM. Trouble in in, in the way that it was not being felt at Toyota, even though Toyota, you know, saw a 40 percent drop in sales as well. Uh, But they're better able to weather the storm because they don't they didn't have the commitments that General Motors and Ford and, and Chrysler had to the UAW.
2: It is interesting. Here's something that somebody should do. Somebody should conduct a fictitious roundtable interview with various guys from the history of the automotive industry and ask them like what their take on the current situation is. For example, I mean, I keep going to, what's his name, Tucker, a man in his dream, that guy, uh-huh. and sort of his, you know, because obviously that's a whole weird tangled slice of American automotive history, but... Um, for example, I wonder what, what, what Henry Ford, like the actual original Henry Ford, a creator of the assembly line, creator of modern industrialized vehicular assembly, what that guy would think of this whole situation and how we kind of got into this and how we're going to get out of it. It would, it. it would be fascinating to see some historians who understand these things kind of give us the take that various people from the history of the automotive world would have.
4: Yeah and by the way I also want to make it clear that uh, I hope I didn't come across as sounding anti-union there or anything about that because it's because uh, of the UAW that uh, you know the General Motors was known as generous motors to its employees uh it's just it's just the fact that they they promised their retirees just so much that it kept them under uh tremendous pressure financially and and it's the reality of the situation
2: hey i got a a final question here they're gonna file chapter 11 what's like chapter eight
4: (laughs) i don't know what the different i don't know what the different bankruptcy chapters mean uh we had somebody on cnn tv explaining that but basically chapter 11 uh, is, is sort of just used so you can reorganize and be protected from your your the people who hold your debt and um you know, and so you can emerge and still be a, be around, essentially, still operate, still be a company, and and just not completely go out of business. It's uh, it it, it is your get out of jail free card, I suppose.
2: I think everybody, uh, what we should do going forward, we can all agree that we're going to buy 60% of General Motors, and we're going to fork over like hundreds of billions of dollars to various companies for bailouts. But in exchange, I think everybody in America ought to get one free bankruptcy without penalty. I agree. Everybody in America ought to get one sort of like, well, I'm not going to pay you. And then, like, we can just sort of do it and get away with it. Just You know, just one. Maybe up to, like, 50 grand or something.
4: Did you ever have a, a, a friend or a relative who filed for bankruptcy? Yes.
2: Yes, I have a friend of mine who did that some time ago.
4: Yeah, I, I, My friend's family did it when I was younger, and everything seemed great. You know, their debt was wiped out. They couldn't use credit cards for, like, a couple of years. But, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they owed only a fraction of their debt and uh, they went on with their merry lives
2: it's the uh, it's the control alt delete of the finance world it, <laughs> it
4: is. is you're right uh,
2: by the way tim riley wants me to uh to note that today is cnn's 28th birthday so happy birthday to hey. cnn hey
4: thank you very much
2: excellent all right thank you my friend as always a pleasure we'll talk to you soon
4: i appreciate there it so you long. Go. cnn radio correspondent Steve cast
2: by the way that was the 29th 28th 29th somewhere around man eh, something uh so tomorrow let me back up CNN Radio is, is in uh, is in Atlanta, Georgia, and it is in the CNN Center. The CNN Center, world, home of the world's largest escalator, used to be, some years ago, they the, the CNN bought that center from Sid and Marty Croft, who had created the Croft Indoor Family Fun Center, whatever the hell they called it. It was the world's first uh, indoor theme park. Opened, was great, fantastic, really groundbreaking, couldn't make any money to save its life. And what happened to the Sid and Marty Croft Family Fund Center was what happens to real businesses that don't have the government to prop them up. They went under in about six months because people didn't want to pay for what they had. Uh, That then became the CNN Center. Why do you care about this? Because tomorrow we're going to be interviewing Sid and Marty Croft, who are the creators of Land of the Lost. Yay! Best thing ever. Not the movie. I mean, it might be. Probably not. But it is the best thing ever that we're going to talk to Sid and Marty Croft. That's tomorrow. Awesome. All right. Straight ahead, Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, we'll talk about, pardon me, later on, we'll talk about Anthony Bourdain. Uh, it was Friday night. And that was just, boy, that was just an exercise and great and weird and a little bit scary, that Anthony Bourdain thing. At a certain point, I was just afraid a riot was going to break out. Uh, and then it kind of settled down. But, boy, it was rambunctious. I mean, it was really very rowdy. Um, and there then, were a lot
3: of people you knew there, too, right?
2: I don't know what you're referring to, Sarah. <laughs> Who are you thinking of? I don't know who you're talking about. Greg, have you heard the story of uh, Anthony Bourdain on uh, Friday and somebody we know? Oh, uh, okay. Don't don't yeah, don't tell him. We'll make him guess. Okay. All right. Uh, that's all I had. It's the Rick Emerson show, as well as Motley Crew tickets. Tickets to Crew Fest 2. This is Ah, this is uh, Weezer. Couldn't tell there for a second. This is Weezer, it's the Rick Emerson show. It is Monday morning. It's Rock 101 K U F O.
4: Broadcasting from the greatest city of
2: everything sucks! Do it live!
4: Oh, well, all right, whatever. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101
0: KUFO.
2: That's right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday morning. Thank you for joining us. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is 503-228-4101. So later we'll talk uh, a little bit about the Anthony Bourdain thing from Friday. And uh, raise your hand. Did anyone see Family Guy last night?
0: No. Wow. It was... It
2: was unbelievable it was amazing um it had the entire cast of star trek the next generation and there was just this scene and it is that classic family guy thing where it's just like the thing that's mildly amusing and then it just goes on and on and on and on there was like nine different instances of that first of all there was i'm going to give it all away but there was there was two plots there was one where stewie inadvertently i forget how he does it but he beams down or up or whatever he he conjures up the whole cat like all of the cat and they're not like the characters it is the cast and so it's like Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart and uh, Brent Spiner. So, so Stewie comes into possession of the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and so that's plot one. Plot two is what's her name? Meg finds uh, Christianity and she becomes like a Christian zealot. And there's a whole sequence where she's... It comes out that she, like, has a cross, and she throws it, and Brian fetches it, and then she tries to get it back, and she reaches for the cross, and he just does that, that dogs do when they have something they didn't want to give to Mm you. And then that just repeated for, like, 60 seconds, where she would reach for it, and he would go, and it was, you know, then not funny, kind of funny, hilarious, not funny, best thing ever. Then there was this sequence where Stewie... I won't I mean I'm not going to be the guy who just you know, like recreates the scene I'll just say that you got to watch it if it's if it's on Hulu or if it's on the whatever um and it's full of profanity which is the only reason I haven't tried to track it down directly online and play it this morning but there's a sequence where Stewie and the entire cast of Star Trek the Next Generation are in a station wagon trying to go through the drive-through to McDonald's that is one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my life so that was uh last night's family guy so it was it really was it was quite something You're
3: so relatable Rick Emerson
2: That's right Sarah I'm talking about television last night Jim Roop will be talking about television tonight, later on. That'll be uh, next hour. At the news uh, desk, it is Tim Riley.
0: In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 645, more beautiful, summer weather all week long. High temperatures in the 80s. Congratulations. You now own 60% of the biggest industrial failure in U.S. history. That's uh, that's second prize. First prize is owning nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. GM's bankruptcy will cost you thirty billion dollars. They already spent like twenty-five billion, so that's what fifty-five billion so far. Twenty-one thousand will still lose their jobs, as at least a dozen, if not up to twenty, factories will close. Forty percent of GM dealerships will close if they already haven't. Retirees from GM will be forced to take ten cents on the dollar. And now they're trying to sell off Hummer and Saturn, if not shut them down. The body of a woman shot to death has been found in southeast. Cops responded to reports of shots fired at Southeast 116th and Schiller around 9:30 last night and made the grim discovery in Raymond Park, a Granite Falls, Washington man killed by deputies following a, a dispute over weeds. Two Snohomish County employees who were spraying for weeds along a beautiful country road when a homeowner came out and told them get out or get his gun. Well, naturally they call the cops. They arrive. The guy becomes more belligerent. Shots are fired. And there can only be one outcome. Yes. The cops always win. And the weeds remain.
2: Yeah. <laughs> in your face, homeowner guy. Also in your sternum. Also in one of your legs.
0: More than 20% of Portland homes are in distress sales status. 14% listed as short sales. 4% are in foreclosure mode, which means they've already been returned to the bank. You know what's
2: weird? You do this. You walk, well, not your neighborhood, Tim, but if you walk around. No,
0: possibly my neighborhood.
2: Really? Yes. My God. <laughs> The recession is right here in this room again. Uh, the, but if you walk around uh, certain neighborhoods, especially, you will see uh, more more of these and perhaps other places. But it's weird, man. You'll walk around, you'll see tacked to the front door of the house. It's like the ribbon of shame where it's the it, – I forgive if it's an actual pink slip, but it's like the paperwork where it says, like, mm. here's the guy that lived here. Here's here's how you know much he was paying in the house. Here's what he couldn't pay. We've kicked him out. And which I guess they have to do is like a public statement or an announcement or something. But it is where they list like all the sin right there on the front door and a big thing for everybody to see. It's like a, it's a scarlet letter. It's a, it's a little creepy.
0: Time for a Darwin Watch. Oh, that's
2: excellent. Here's your Darwin Watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson Show.
4: I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, do
0: don't. I eat all my caps. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust.
5: Don't, don't. Another one bites the dust, and another one god and another one god another one bites the dust. Hell! oh my heart just stopped. Ah, there it goes.
0: Here's your Darwin watch for Monday. This comes here from India, where weird things come from. Yeah. And are there enough people over there to check these facts? Not that it matters. A man uh, urinates on a live wire near a harbor and is electrocuted. This happened near Chennai, which is in India. It's an unusual incident, to say the least. A 34-year-old man got electrocuted and died after urinated on a live wire near Chennai Harbor. According to police, Kay Mungeran was working as an LPG delivery man with a gas company. The agency had a supply contract, and he had gone to deliver cylinders to the harbor. While returning, he stopped his vehicle near the roadside and went to urinate. Police said there were a lot of container trucks parked in the roadside, and some of them had freezer boxes. Whatever that means to the story. He uh, walked into a narrow street where there was a generator running to supply power for some of the freezer boxes, and when urinating, he came in contact with exposed live wire.
2: Wait, hold on. There's a there's a huge piece of electrical machinery that seems to be plugged into the wall, and it's using an astounding amount of electricity. I know I'll whiz on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, He could have been uh, electrocuted after he urinated on a portion of the wire where patches of the insulation were torn off.
2: Well done, India guy. That's So fantastic. much for the India guy. All right. Kind of closes its own circle. There's your Darwin watch from Monday on the Rick and the
5: show. Yeah.
2: Here's Tim Riley at the news desk.
0: Well, a seemingly patriotic squirrel in Michigan has been using some novel items as building materials for his nest. The rodent has been stealing small American flags from the graves of veterans and using them as part of its new home. Wait a minute. Does this squirrel love America or hate America? I'm unsure. He loves it because he goes for the flags first. Yes, he didn't believe it until he saw the squirrels in action. The squirrels get up on their hind legs, tear out a flag, roll it up, carry it in their mouths to a nest about 45 feet off the ground. The cemetery official added, uh, Normally, flags stay in the graves of vets from Memorial Day to Flag Day. But this year... They're likely to be pulled out sooner due to this crafty, furry thief.
2: So this is a squirrel that is quite literally wrapping itself in the flag. Yes. That's excellent. <laughs> i have much more of my interview with Larry tomorrow. I love that. Still to come, what is billed as the world's smallest cat. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk.
0: Well, about a dozen Ohio high school students have been suspended for wearing flip-flops to class. These are the open-toed shoes that kids wear. They wore them to a Jefferson Township High School as a prank last week, but it ended in tears and not laughter.
2: What kind of a prank is it? What kind of a lame-ass school are you that I know as a prank will wear unusual footwear?
0: Mm-hmm. Principal Maddie White says it's against the dress code to wear flip-flops, so two-day suspensions were handed you know, out. Why isn't it
2: against the, the code to be some sort of a busybody, tight-ass teacher? That's what I want to know. And flip-flops are... That's what we used to call thongs as a child, and then that became that that phrase began to mean something else. Uh, that's when it became the butt string, but uh, but. Ew! Uh, did you really just say? Well, that. that's what it is. It's I mean, true. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, it's a it's a string that is placed between your buttocks that is supposed to be then alluring. No. Uh, it's a, but and now it's worn as a shoe. It's that. Yes. Well, that's. Well you don't want to near, you don't want to near anything else after that. I suppose um that. The, but, uh, these are the shoes that we used to call thongs, but they're flip flops. And this is just the rubber within the the um uh it's like mesh or something. You know not mesh, but what's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a weaved like a woven plastic material that like eats that like like takes like puts a huge divot between your toes. Like a lawn chair. That's the deal with flip-flops. like well, saws your skin off. But what is it but what is that actually called? What's the phrase I'm looking for to describe that? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it goes between your big toe and your second toe. Mm. And over the course of the summer, your your foot goes to like irritated, bleeding, recovered, and then like fine because it gets sort of like calloused up or whatever. And then you can always rank. It's sort of an interesting thing, actually. It's sort of you can rank how far along in summer you are by how worn down that black plasticky stuff is, because those things are only really ever made to last one summer. That's the great thing about that footwear. They are de- you can. It, it's like those blue bristles on your toothbrush that let you know how long you've had the thing. All right, here's Tim
0: Riley. Well, we only have to do this once, thank goodness. It was uh, finally Jay Leno's last Tonight show, Friday night. This is kind of so. I am am almost embarrassed to mention this. I'm cleaning out my office today. All right. I find OJ's knife. I had it the whole (laughs) I had
2: it the whole time. Wow. That's hilarious. Could it
3: be more outdated and not funny? No.
0: (laughs) Well, it was the last night. He didn't have to be. Here is one more outdated comedy routine. Started this show. My hair was black and the president was white. Did you know that? (laughs) We saw the show John and Kate were both eight, did you know that they were <laughs> eight? Years. Okay, that you last know, thing, thing doesn't
2: even
4: count as a joke. 17 years the Clippers still suck. <laughs> that, that has
0: remained a Uh Please offer reflections one more time so we can leave. One of the most important things Johnny Carson never taught me was that no matter what happens in the world, you always have to have a monologue ready to go, because that's your job. When times are serious, you make silly jokes, when times are silly, you make serious jokes, but you always want to have jokes, and that's what we've been trying to do for the last seventy years—make you laugh. And it's been an honor and a privilege, uh, privilege to do that.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. What? Oh God, was I supposed to be listening to that? I'm sorry. Well,
0: he's—he's he's dead. We don't have to pay attention anyway. And here—and you know what? It's like fan, fan noise from an overhead fan. <laughs> it's, it's something. <laughs> At first it's noisy, then you get used to it in about five minutes.
2: <laughs> j letter is like a squeaky alarm clock that ticks in the background for so long you don't notice it for a while. <laughs> Somebody speak? Nah, it's the clock. <laughs> Uh, tonight is the first Conan show, so I will watch that. Uh, even though I don't really watch a lot of late night TV, I do kind of want to see how he makes the transition, and that's, that's a pretty cool thing for him. Uh, and I don't so think forth. these shows are really important anymore anyway. They're not, but I like Conan, that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's like with Kimmel. Um, you know, I watched Kimmel for, the, really regularly for the first couple months he was on the air, and then I just sort of drifted away because I realized that I just, I just don't care enough to stay up till 11 o'clock at night to watch a guy tell jokes, uh you know and talk to uh, some uh, actor who's going to say the same 3 minutes worth of crap about his movie that he said on all the other TV shows which is not a knock on Kimmel or on or on Conan I mean Conan the thing about Conan he's really funny he's a truly hilarious original comic talent but i just even even before we started doing the morning show i just don't i don't care that much uh, to stay up till midnight uh, to watch a guy tell tell uh, sort of
0: I don't know. It follows the late news, which is a habit that people don't have anymore.
2: Right. Well, that's the other thing is it used to be that you would watch 11 o'clock right into Carson's monologue. And then you would, you know, and then you would watch Carson for however long, depending if there's, you know. But it all comes down to the guests. And it's like on TV shows, the guests are you will never see a guest more boring and predictable than when they're on a late night TV show or like on the view or something. That is like where you are guaranteed to never see anything that catches you off guard at all. Right ahead, uh, we have Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. We'll talk about the uh, weekend box office uh, wrap-up. The results may surprise you, but probably not. I mean, they might, like if you just like if you just flew here from somewhere, like another country. But other than that, no surprises at all. We will be giving away Motley Crue tickets. Uh, we'll talk about Anthony Bourdain on Friday as well. And uh, still to come, a penis watch. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, K E Fuckers, Alice in Chains.
4: Portland. All right, everybody got your bowling shoes? Everybody got your balls? I don't have my shoes. Jonathan, we were just up at the counter. Why didn't you get your shoes? I don't have my shoes either. What the hell? You need your shoes to bowl. Now, why exactly can I not wear my loafers? What is the danger there? Because, Patrick, because, Patrick, those are the rules. Well, I think it's just because they want another
2: $1.50 from me
1: how do you want to do the teams
2: how about the white guys against the black guys
1: Patrick
3: don't be an instigator I have to pee Brent take Michael to the bathroom please okay
4: look at me I've got girl boobs
2: it's the Rick Emerson show it's Rock 101 K UFO so that's from the end of the episode when Stewie takes the Star Trek The Next Generation cast bowling
3: I could not love Patrick Stewart more it's
2: yeah it's uh, it's quite something and it's that thing where you're—you, I mean, you're hoping that it isn't where they get like all the cash except for like one guy who doesn't want to show up or who's dead or something, because mm-hmm. that would—that was the deal with the original Star Trek. With every passing year, as they would make cameo appearances, you know, and, and I think as Don Taylor pointed out, that's. That's when you've reached a particularly uh, low sedimentary rock layer of the celebrity strata. When your only roles are as yourselves in like dream sequences like in sitcoms that that are starring other people, but you would see like Futurama where they would get the original Star Trek cast and like James Doohan or somebody was I forget if he was drunk or dead, one of the two, but he he wasn't there, and so it, you know, and so it's like he just wouldn't ever speak. But um, anyway, it was uh, it was uh, it was quite something. So that's uh, last night. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday morning, and good morning to you. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up next hour at 8 o'clock, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Motley Crew at Crew Fest 2. Crew Fest prize pack. Fifth including, row, right? uh yeah, fifth. so fifth row today, fourth tomorrow, third Wednesday, et cetera, and then uh, Friday, first row tickets. It'll be a Crew Fest prize pack, Crew Fest DVD from last year's show, and fifth row seats today at Clark County Amphitheater, part of uh, KUFO's Summer of Rock. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, we have a penis watch coming up. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be recapping the weekend box office. Hello, Christy. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am fantastic. <laughs> Did you see uh, Family Guy last night? I didn't. Are you a Next Generation fan?
1: Not so much. Gah! <gasps> what? <laughs> That's sacrilege. I know. I was actually watching the MTV Movie Awards, so I saw, you know, Bruno and Eminem have their little desktop.
2: You know, I'm questioning Sorry. all that I thought I knew <laughs> about you. <laughs> Who are you? I... Uh, the idea that I mean, look, don't don't like this the wrong way, but I you seem like a woman of certain tastes, and the idea that you were not watching something featuring Patrick Stewart and the rest of the Star Trek: The Next Generation Do you not cast. Not
1: think Patrick Stewart is dreamy. I love Patrick Stewart.
2: You're just more of an I Claudius Patrick Stewart uh, Absolutely, fan. Absolutely, I am. All right, you're more of a Christmas Carol circa 2003 Patrick Stewart fan, but not. There you go. How can you not be a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation? What is wrong you? know, wrong with
1: you? I, I loved classic track and for some reason I just could not get into Next Generation because—
2: Too few cardboard rocks? I think so, yeah, yeah.
1: and too few not sort of— Not enough triples. Yeah.
2: And I, yeah. I need more badly designed plaster of Paris sculpting. Get on that. Yes. You were watching the Bruno and— And, uh, and Eminem. <laughs> so what does it do? Because I only saw little bits of it uh, this morning. So it's that it's that Sasha Cohen as Bruno yes. who is the so that he is the titular character of, of the new film that's coming out. And I think he's I might be wrong about this, but I think he's cutting some liners for us as Bruno, because the really? whole deal was, yeah, because they, you know, they send you this uh, this form. And it's like, Sasha Baron Cohen will be going into the studio and he'll be cutting radio station liners in character as Bruno for the new movie that opens, whatever, June 10th or something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, and, and they included like sample liners from other radio stations. And they're like, he likes it when the liners are edgy and in your face. And here's some liners from other stations. And they were, they were wow. just awful. Mm. And so they, I mean, not to make myself sound more creative than I really am, but we'll see if they even get voiced because they, they said, they said, write liners for Sasha Cohen to, to read as Bruno and keep in mind that he's you know very flamboyant. He's very sexual, and that's the character. And so write something that is very, very sort of provocative. And so I wrote some stuff. I should probably I should post them on the website actually, if he- whether or not they get voiced. Huh. It it I will be surprised actually if he voices the stuff that I wrote without changing it because it was it was I mean I tried to sort of play into the uh, in into the character, but but so was it he so he went it was gyrating on Eminem's face or. Something.
1: Well, he he came sort of floating in, suspended from you know the 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 rafters, wearing these wings and and like a thong. So yeah, it's <laughs> sort of his just bare uh, backside. Something like Howard say, Stern's. Yeah. Asked sort yes, of a fart man was. thing. Oh, yes. yes, it was kind of a call back to that that. <clears throat> legendary moment in Excellent. pop culture.
2: Hmm. Uh, what else will we, uh, will we be discussing today, Christy Turnquist? Well, we,
1: we will be discussing some kind of unexpected participation in the top two movies at the box office this week. Who would ever think that the top two movies would involve Ed Asner and the Smithsonian?
2: You know, I like what I'm hearing. I'm, I'm for all things uh, Asnerian. Hmm. Tim Riley's tracking the following headlines on this Monday morning.
0: We'll also hear from Ed, Ed Asner about that movie in question. Well, beginning today, you must show documentation when entering Canada from Washington State or coming back. An OSU student is arrested for bringing a bomb to a music festival. Washington State man is shot to death after threatening to detonate a large bomb. And uh, some people get caught in a bunch of logs while intertubing. Excellent.
2: Um, So we have uh, just a couple of notes here uh, that I want to get to. So uh, Friday was the Anthony Bourdain thing, uh, which was at the Keller and so Laura and I had actually gone out to dinner beforehand with uh, with a friend of hers uh, from work and uh, this girl that he was taking to see Cinematic Titanic. The Cinematic Titanic, which is Joel Hodgson and all those guys, the Mystery Science Theater was so cool. crew. It, if I can work backward from Saturday, that yes. was really astounding, that Cinematic Titanic show. And mm-hmm. I didn't see uh, Friday's, and I know Friday's show, which is East Meets Watts, that was – because the deal is – it's I like thought a, Friday's
3: was uh... – Dynamite Brothers.
2: No, no, no. Friday was East Meets Watts, which is the Filipino guy and the black guy that are handcuffed together and they have to learn togetherness while running from prison or something.
3: Yeah, no, that's the one that I saw. Yeah, it's called the Dynamite Brother. I'm it was pretty, called... Okay, it,
2: right. it, well, they may have changed the title because I know that they've done this. Here's the deal with... with let me stop and get a hold of myself. <laughs> so it is effectively a live-action performance of Mystery Science Theater 3000 where they put the movie up on the big screen. as a, you know It's a theater. And then on this... Uh, sort of at these um, these podiums that are lit, you know, like the kind of music conductors use. You got the three guys on either side of the stage. And so it's Joel Hodgson and it's J. Elvis Weinstein and it's, uh, you know, TV's Frank. And so they're flanking the screen. And at first you think it's going to be really distracting because you're sitting there going, well, how am I ever going to be able to watch the movie if I'm watching these guys? But they drop the lights in the theater and all you really see are the little tiny lights above their podiums. And after a while you... You sort of strike this balance between watching the film and hearing their running commentary, which is hilarious, and occasionally watching them do it because that's weird too. It's just strange when you look down and you're seeing like uh, Trace Beaulieu or whatever, and it, it, you know, and he opens his mouth and the voice of Crow T. Robot comes out. <laughs> I mean, which is and it's really wonderful and sort of bizarre all at the same time. So that was Saturday. Featuring, and then they had uh, a stand-up act. The guy who came out and sort of did the warm-up was uh, that guy Gruber, and he's the, he is most famous to a lot of folks as the guidance counselor from Freaks and Geeks. Who there's that excruciating Freaks and Geeks moment when he hauls out the guitar and he goes, "You guys don't think Alice Cooper is uncool, do you?" And then he, you know, he belts out the "I'm a boy and I'm a man." And so I got my photo taken with that guy, which is just one of the greatest, weirdest things this has ever happened to me. It's fabulous. Anyway, so there's Cinematic Titanic on Saturday, and uh, and then on Friday, we had... I'm sorry.
3: Oh no, I'm, fr- I'm just remembering like all the randomness that happened this weekend. Oh, like, uh, it was it about-
2: was a weird weekend. It really was. So that was Saturday, Cinematic Titanic, the second show. The first show uh, that they did was Friday night, and so Lara and I and Friday had gone to dinner with a guy she knows from work, and his date for Cinematic Titanic because they went Friday. So we met at that place, Carafe. It's not a uh, paid plug. Uh, with but, the good uh, hamburgers? Oh, that, did that like you have nine one? Yes, I did. Well, of course, Did <gasps> I have been one.
3: forever. Oh, my God. Like a
2: 9,000-calorie hamburger, oh. which they then bring with a whole huge thing of, like, French dipping mayonnaise, oh, which is just... Lord, this is so good. Just in case your heart isn't beating slowly enough, you can just sort of, wait, hold on, let me just... Let me just dip this in trans fat. And you just get all Mr. Creosote. Um... So we uh, uh, so we had dinner and uh, then we kind of went our separate ways. They went to the Titanic thing. We went to Bourdain, and the Bourdain thing was it, it was sort of a mixed bag. I um, the first twenty minutes or so of, of Bourdain's show on Friday, I was I was alternately wanting to leave because I felt like there was going to be a riot and not wanting to leave because I was waiting to see the riot that would break out. Mm. Um, at one point, there was a woman who stood up in the crowd and began shrieking at him about organic food, and I was sort of afraid that there was going to be a fist, fight, a fist fight, you know, sort of erupted, and then it became a Q&A. You know, he went to kind of a straight Q&A format of a lot of people sort of lining up to talk to him, but it was just, it was, the Q&A was really great. The first 20 minutes was very weird, because I think it, he was sort of just kind of playing it off the cuff, and the audience got out of control almost immediately. It was a really rowdy crowd, which you wouldn't. Really expect this is yeah the Anthony Bourdain thing at the Keller and the audience was very I mean it was I mean they were um, they were ruffians I mean they were it was a rambunctious unruly group of folks and there was a moment where I thought he was just going to completely lose uh, control of that place but once he went to the straight Q and A the rest of it ended up being pretty good the first twenty minutes were just sort of. Bizarre and sort of disconcerting. Um, yeah, that the, sounds
3: too chaotic for me. I don't think I it would have was, enjoyed myself. It
2: was. It was quite chaotic. I
1: think that sounds kind of cool, though. How surreal! A rowdy crowd at the Keller to see Anthony Bourdain. Which you
2: don't. <laughs> that, that's the thing. You don't really think of that, right? Like you just because he does a show about food and travel, and he, you know because he's the he was the head chef at Le which oh, is yeah. this French restaurant in New York. You think of everybody going to see Anthony Bourdain. Look, let's just be honest. You think of it as just being Kinks audience, um, <laughs> and I would say it was like. Fifty percent kinks audience and like fifty percent, yeah, like this audience. (laughs) Um, So it was an interesting sort of um, it was an interesting confluence of cultures. But I don't think the winging it section of the first twenty minutes went nearly as well as he thought it was going to. I mean, I think he was he was under the like I'm Anthony Bourdain. I can come out and I can, you know, I can just sort of uh, you know freestyle it without any preparation, which I think would have worked if the crowd hadn't been about half in the bag like from the very beginning, which Mm -hmm. they were. You know, because there's that just that endless wine bar that they have up front, so everybody was a little lit when he walked on, and they were just. Uh, and the one, but here's the here's the greatest, most awkward moment from the Anthony Bourdain thing. So, at about 15 minutes in, he's doing this experiment, and it's called uh, the name of the experiment was I call BS, which is where he sort of talks about something, like he makes fun of vegans or vegetarians, or he talks about. Um, uh, you know, he'll talk about uh, like a specific kind of food and then he challenges people in the audience to sort of disagree with him or to take him to task on it. And there's a floor mic set aside for that purpose. So if you disagree with his take on like organic eggs or something, you can walk to the floor mic and you can say, I beg to disagree, Mr. Bourdain. I call BS. But what immediately happens is that nobody uses the floor mic. Everybody just stands up and yells And so there was this woman about 15 minutes in who just stood up in her seat and just began yelling at him about organic food. And I heard the word like, blah, 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 Nazi, blah, 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 blah. And so she's on this whole tear about organic food. And he's kind of trying to be, you know, sort of accommodating his listener maker point. And then the crowd turns on her. And it starts with a guy saying, like, you hear a guy going like, boring, you know, get get to the end of your question. And she doesn't stop. She continues talking. And so the next thing that happens is about 10 seconds later, you just hear a guy go, Whore! Like really loudly. <laughs> and that was, about, that was the moment where I turned around and said, I have to use the bathroom, but I'm so afraid that I'll miss violence. Anyway, if it had continued like that, I think the night would have been a big fail. Yeah. Um, but but I think he figured out, like, this isn't working. I have to go to the Q&A. <laughs> and so the Q&A was great. If only to see the endless procession of horny women that went up and just oh. did everything but throw their knickers at him.
1: Mm. Jesus. You yeah, said the crowd was rowdy, that's what I was assuming. I was assuming it was going to be like a Tom Jones concert.
2: It was. Uh, if he had <laughs> let it go that way, if he had been like, look, and now you'll be able to have sex with me on stage. Like, it would have been that. I mean, it would have become the Paris Theater. So final thought on Anthony Bourdain, and then uh, we'll tell an amusing anecdote from that uh, show later on this hour. That involves someone oh, yes. you may know.
3: And on Friday, I also met somebody famous oh, as well. Oh, damn it,
2: damn it. i got to write that down, yeah. too. There's lots to talk about from this weekend. Um because no, I
3: kept calling you because there was this famous person in, in the bar, and I totally forgot that he was at Anthony Bourdain.
2: So here's, here's a tease. So this hour, uh, before the end of the show anyway, we'll tell you about the famous person Sarah met this weekend, and then I will tell you about the... Um, the person,
3: not-so-famous person that made an ass of themselves. The
2: quasi-famous person who uh, it was made the subject of some scorn and ridicule by Anthony Bourdain. Um, but fi- my final thing here is that uh, people were getting in line to go up and ask him questions, and it was like, where should I, where should I eat when I go to, to Vietnam? Or, uh, you know, what's what's your advice about going to Italy for the first time? Or whatever. And a woman goes up there, and her, and people are handing him stuff to sign. A woman goes up there, and she says, uh, she says hey, Anthony, I love your show. It's my mother's birthday, by the way, so... Would you sign this nude photograph of you that I found online? And immediately, on the immediately, and you could tell it was real, too, because he kind of blushed and he kind of put his face in his hands. And he said, oh, God, he goes, Like, never get drunk with a photographer. And so he hands it. The, she hands it to him and he signs the nude photograph of himself. And then she starts walking. And she said, you know, you're so great. And she, she starts walking on the aisle. But what happens is as she's walking in the aisle, every woman who is sitting in an aisle seat immediately pulls her to the side like, hey, hook a sister up. And so she she it takes her like 10 minutes to get back to the back of the auditorium because every woman, including my wife, by the way, is like sort of <laughs> buttonholing her to demand that she see this photograph of Anthony Bourdain in the altogether. So, all right. All right, we come back with we'll Dr to Christy Turnquist about the weekend box office. We'll talk about the celebrity that Sarah uh, met this weekend. Did you stand next to her?
3: Oh, I spoke with her.
2: Awesome. It was
3: as amazing as I could have ever dreamed.
2: Plus news with Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO.
1: This is the Rick Emerson Show. If you want someone to stick needles in your body, they'll do it for free. On Rock 101
2: KUFO. That is... Now, that's Kelly Clark from Atlanta Week, but... The thing is, her voice is very similar to that of the woman who does the actual voice Yeah,
3: I, I was so confused.
2: <laughs> so it sort of sounds like the station voice is talking about piercing your flesh with something sharp. Which is, you know, fine. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Monday morning. It's 5.03-228-4101. A uh, uh, couple other brief notes here, and we'll uh, get the weekend box office wrap-up from Christy Turnquist. So, did you go to the, either of the cinematic Titanic shows?
1: No, and I'm really sorry, because I... I have a little crush on Joel
2: Hudson. And so, let me. Do,
3: here's the th- He was so
1: charming Look, in person.
2: And I don't mean to pick on you, but I mean, as the pop culture uh, writer for The Oregonian,
3: really. I think you're still kind of mad at her about the Star Trek The Next Generation thing.
2: I'm just saying I am too. Pop I'm culture writer, not a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation. Pop culture writer, didn't go to Cinematic Titanic. And you wouldn't even have to pay, you're the media. You can just go.
1: Well, of course. Don't you, oh, you, you know who I am? I mean, we don't do that. That would be unethical.
2: Really? <laughs> no. Wait, are you are you screwing with me? I can't tell. I'm not. No, no,
1: no. This. I mean, unless I was writing about it, no. I would I would buy a ticket like anybody else. That's ethics,
2: man. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we really travel in such different worlds but with your ethics and your uh, you know moral guidelines. <laughs> well, in any event, it was it was quite something. But um, well,
1: I would have gone, but I had a conflict on Friday night I couldn't get out of, and I had a conflict on Saturday night I couldn't get out of, and so I'm, I'm bereft. I'm so disappointed.
2: Well, I should say a couple things. First of all, I want to give uh, shouts out, as they say, uh, to a few guys, to uh, some listeners. Uh, Logan, uh, I want to say hello to Logan, who also works at that Oasis pizza place in Hawthorne. Oh, which is, I love that place. Oh, man, it's like you eat one of those slices, you don't need to eat for like like, like four the, or five days. That is
3: like the best people watching Corner.
2: Yeah. Ever. I mean, love getting a piece
3: of pizza there and yeah. a beer and just like sitting there and watching the craziness of Hawthorne.
2: Uh, I also want to say hello to Ian and Lee, uh, who are two guys that... that... That I met at the the Joel Hodgson Cinematic Titanic meet and greet uh, on Saturday. That was at the the Videorama place on Saturday. And um, anyway, so these great guys, these dudes I met in the parking lot, they were kind of coming in and I was coming at the same time. And they go, hey, Rick Emerson. I said, yeah. And they go, hey, we're listening to the show. And I said, great. And, And apparently they had just some, I think at least one of them has moved on to something else. But they had some ass job where they're just carrying furniture in the sun all day. And they're like, "Ah, oh, job sucks—the worst job on earth." And show kind of makes it better, and which is like the best compliment we can ever we're receive. Those
3: very energetic guys.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they were especially—look, I don't mean to be creepy, but it was—they were especially energetic because they were came into the—they came to the store, they stood in line, they met Joel and and Trace and all those guys, and they got the autographs and whatever. And then they were leaving. Uh, just as you, Sarah, and your hot friend Kelsey were arriving, and I think you guys were headed to the swimming pool after the meet and greet, so you were you were wearing oh, yeah, some and the hipster and I went together. some summer uh, swimming pool wear. And so as they were as they're leaving the store, they I mean they literally like all but walk into Sarah and her friend Kelsey, who are like all dressed up to go to the swimming pool later. So I think that put a, an extra spring in their step. But um, so so the, the Ian and Lee, big fans of the show. They asked why I didn't say uh, the Rick Emerson program anymore, why we were saying Rick Emerson show, because I used to kind of just throw in the Rick Emerson radio program. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, why would you stop saying program? And I pointed out uh, that that was a thing that I started doing because Mike O'Mara of the Donna Mike show did it. And then we moved over here and, you know, all like the logos and the banners and all the, the you know, whatever the, the the station production that all says Rick Emerson show. And so I, I think I just I think we ju- we just kind of stopped doing it. Uh, you know, just so it all sort of tied together. And also because, it's a true story, also because Paddock and I uh, were sitting in the office uh, one day, I think when we first went over to KUFO, talking about something or other. And there's Chris Paddock, program director, and I, and someone who we will refer to as... Um, someone who we will refer to as uh, upper management, I mean, even more upper management, <laughs> kind of stood in the doorway and said, Hey, been listening to the show, sounds really good. Yeah. You know, uh, you say show sometimes and uh, program other times. Why do you do that? Maybe you should just say show. And Paddock and I looked at each other and then we looked back we're like, no, no, no. We were actually going to change that. Uh, we were just talking about that. We are we were actually just having that program, <laughs> angrily scratching it up. But uh, for those guys, I'm going to bring it back. So uh, starting today. I will once per show, at least, I will work in uh, Rick Emerson radio program. And that is just for uh, Ian and Lee. So thank you for listening, my friends. Christy Turnquist. All right. uh, Well, your abject failure to see uh, Joel (laughs) and the rest of the cinematic Titanic guys, uh, notwithstanding. Um, God,
1: I'm just lucky that you have me on the program.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Well done. Okay, see, it's all worth it for that callback right there. Uh, if they come back through town, you ought to see it. It's quite an experience, and just it's and it's surreal too. I mean, just your brain is trying to process the fact that you are in, in effect seeing the, the sort of silhouettes on your TV from Mr. Science Theater kind of come to life.
1: Well, I mean, that was that was a weird enough thing when it started. I mean, kind of this this art form out of you know making cracks about bad yeah. movies. It's a, it's a strange thing to have had this sort of. You know, long run that it's had and sort of evolved into other kinds of things. I mean, it was it was weird on TV, and it would be even weirder in person.
2: Greatest moment that I should have seen coming. So on Saturday's show, did you meet Joel? On I uh, did. Uh, oh, you met him at the meet and greet on Saturday. Yes, at the video no, story. We,
3: we exchanged email addresses.
2: Really? <laughs> la la, la, uh, la dee da. La de, da. Was- <laughs> Sorry, Miss Thing.
3: <laughs> well, I think because I wasn't. He was really cool, but Kelsey was so nervous that it made me yeah. more comfortable around him. So we were just like, oh, she was in the breeze,
2: gibbering uh, wreck. <laughs> No, but yeah. he was talking
3: about maybe wanting to come back. I'm like, oh, you know, we you know we spoke to you about the sh- you know about your show and stuff. And he's like, oh, I'd love to work with KUFO on this future project. Maybe I'm like, yes.
2: excellent. Here's a totally unsurprising moment. So at Saturday's Cinematic Titanic show, he was answering. He was taking questions from the audience, and they were like on little index cards. And somebody said, hey, what was the what was the Mystery Science Theater episode where Gypsy, uh, came uh came and sat down in the seats next to you guys and watched the movie? And he goes. I don't know. Does anybody know the name of the episode? And a guy who I recognized as a listener because he was at the meet and greet and said, hey, I listen to the show every day. That guy immediately shouted out, (laughs) whatever the name of the episode was. And Joel looks up and goes, well, you're a really big nerd. All right. Thanks. So and that guy was a listener. So well done. sir. I think his name was Stan. Well done, Stan. All right. What was the uh, weekend box office uh, tally, uh, Christy Turnquist? Well,
1: uh, Pixar continues its incredible streak of top. Opening movies. Uh, Up opened with $68.2 million, which is a heck of a lot of money, and it is the 10th straight Pixar animated movie to open in the top spot. Up is a 3D animated feature, so it makes it. Now, a is that 3D
2: everywhere, or is it just like at selected I, theaters? I think it's only at selected All theaters,
1: right. and you pay extra for the 3D. You
2: know? And this is the thing with Ed Asner, right?
1: Ed Asner voices the lead character who is a. Everybody keeps describing him as a cranky septuagenarian. <laughs> exactly.
2: I have a clip from Ed Asner. <laughs> Is this from Ed Asner? Is this him in character or is this just him?
0: It talks about his character, Carl.
5: That's he the one? He dreams, beautiful dreams, what he dreamed with his wife and continues the dream. Is this poetry? And he's willing to fight the uh, dogs of society to maintain his dream. I respect that enormously in him.
0: Wow, it's like a prairie Home companion. <laughs>
2: Seriously, are you are you sure that was uh you That's, sure that was that was Ed Asner? Not George yeah. C. Scott? As
1: Ed Asner? Coming speaking from the grave. Angus,
2: I just want to remind you to say, screw him. That's totally, he just that
1: men <laughs> That Ed Asner, he really knows how to promote a movie, doesn't he? It wow. wow.
2: sounded just like George C. Scott. <laughs> it, 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 you have the
0: best equipment in the world. Makes you want to just erase well, right out there. Well, that's what happens when you leave Ed Asner in his office with the bottle in his bottom drawer for like 35 years and go back and check on him. <laughs> uh, you should uh, look in on Where's Mr. Mary? Mr. Yeah. Mr. Asner. What religion are you?
1: <laughs> but, you know, it's a family film, and he's a cranky septuagenarian, and his house gets lifted up by balloons, and there's adventures that it's And it's Pixar.
2: I mean, I heard it's, it's awesome. Pixar. I heard yeah. it's just I mean, fantastic. So good. I will totally go see yeah, it. it's got to be good.
1: And then the uh, second one was another family movie, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian.
2: Which I'm I'm sort of, I mean, I kind of have to see it now because we interviewed those guys, uh, you know, the Reno 911 guys are yeah. the ones who write that. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we kind of have to go see it now.
1: It actually does look pretty funny. But my big disappointment was that Drag Me to Hell opened in the, in the third spot. Now, admittedly, it's not on as many screens as the other two. Um, I mean, uh, Night at the Museum is on like 4,000 screens, right. Drag Me to Hell is only on like 2,500, but it's directed by Sam Raimi, who I love and adore, and I actually went, went to see it last night when I saw that it was only in the third it position. Scary? Well, it's kind of scary, but it's PG-13, so the hardcore, you know, horror geeks will- object that it's not, you know, R-rated and then it's not scary enough. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. I mean, it's got that Sam Raimi touch of, you know, you're jumping out of your chair and then you're laughing.
2: And- well, he undercuts the horror with comedy, but the comedy with the horror. And the yeah. thing is, he's just not a brand name. That's the problem with Sam Raimi. Spider-Man yeah. Man is a brand name. Yeah. Sam Raimi, not so much.
1: Well, and I mean, the, the real diehard Sam Raimi fans who remember Evil Dead, you know, maybe they were terribly disappointed that this one didn't have Bruce Campbell in it.
2: Yeah. Uh, but Terminator 4 continues to suck wind, right?
1: Continues to suck wind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It made 16 16- Million, so it was just below. Drag me to hell, and Drag Me to Hell did not cost very much to make. And I, I, I meant to check this, but I think Terminator Salvation cost like 300 million dollars, and it's only. God Almighty, it's made like 90 million, which again, a lot of money. But when you've spent that much wow. money on a movie, that's not good. News well
2: done, for you. everyone. Fail. <laughs> uh, what is coming up in the Oregonian, Christy Turnquist?
1: Oh gosh, let's see. It's the same thing I was working on last week. Uh, something else came up that I had. <laughs> You're to just do. way too
2: productive. You're... It's
1: not that I'm slacking.
2: <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> All right, that's
1: no your... no no I'm just I'm working and working and working so many things I can't possibly tell
2: you She's Christy Turnquist <laughs> from the Oregonian, ladies and gentlemen, reader and print in the Oregonian, online at OregonLive.com. Thank you, Christy. Turnquist. Oh, thank you for having me on the program. Straight ahead, well done. Straight ahead, you see, you can always get back on my good stuff. That straight ahead, we have news from uh, Tim Riley. We'll talk about the celebrity that Sarah stood next to for a large section of oh, Saturday night. Oh, next to,
3: no, I, I, you actually
2: engaged with this person.
3: Oh no, we we had some speaks.
2: And I got to tell the story. And in it's the, like uh, the most
3: amazing. Yeah, it was it was so surreal. It was amazing.
2: And then I'll recap the poning that took place uh, at the uh, at the Bourdain thing uh, as well. Plus. Motley Crue Ticket. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO.
4: Putting the cult in pop culture. The Jesus is about two inches tall. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
2: Okay, that one is fantastic because if you don't listen to the show all the time, you have no idea what she's referring to. A 1% joke there. Excellent. It is the Rick Emerson Show or program, depending on whether you're Ian and Lee uh it's rock 101 kufo monday morning here in beautiful downtown portland oregon 503-228-4101 is the number don't call now about molly crew tickets but uh about 15 minutes about 15 minutes we will give you the chance tickets to crew fest crew fest to uh clark county amphitheater part of kufo's summer of rock it'll be a crew fest prize pack that's tickets and a crew fest dvd from last year so today fifth row tickets tomorrow fourth all the way through friday uh we'll be going five, four, three, two, and then on friday uh, for, uh, the first grade, in front row tickets for Crew Fest that'll be on uh, Friday. So we'll be doing that about 15 minutes from now at the news desk. It's Tim Riley in the news
0: with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 7:45. Wonderful summer weather all this week. High temperatures in the 80s. Another dead body has been found in the Willamette. It's an adult, though, recovered near the Swan Island boat ramp on North Emerson and Basin Street. That's all we know at the moment. Then a body of an 18-year-old woman shot to death has been found in Southeast. Cops who spotted the reports of shots fired at Southeast 116th and Schiller around 930 last night and made the grim discovery in Raymond Park. James Gunn took his two kids to Hillsborough's Jackson Bottom Wetlands Park. They may have thought they were going on a hike. Then he shot them both to death. Turned the gun on himself. He was undergoing a messy divorce. Meanwhile, the funeral services were held for four-year-old Eldon Smith, who drowned following a fall or a push from the Selwood Bridge, allegedly by his mother. And so this is the
2: this is the thing where it was like the uh, the, the brother and sister that yes they uh, they were on the bridge, then they were in the uh, then 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 they were in the water, and they think the, the suspicion is the mom did it. Yes, that's the uh, theory. It well all right. Mm, hold on, pondering, pondering. All right, never mind. You know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna not say what I was about to say. I was gonna hey, make. Do you want to an... put her in the book? No, it's a, Well, no. Uh, you know, we'll wait. I'll wait for a court of law to find her guilty and or guilty and crazy, but uh, and possibly innocent, although not probably. Uh I was just gonna make the observation that. Th- so what is the deal? So the, the they sent the the daughter home with her husband, right? Yes. So he lives in Eugene. But, I mean, were they together? Were no. They, was they, was it wasn't it, they were divorced, right? Correct. Okay. All right. Well, it was a what,
0: custody battle. You know what? I'll wait. We'll wait, and we'll wait for the case to unfold further before I make any further comment. Here's Tim Riley. Susan Boyle checked into a mental clinic last night. After losing Britain's Got Talent over the weekend, she suffered an emotional breakdown, and uh, she was acting strangely at her hotel. We heard all about this. Then uh, she took the news that she lost well on stage, but backstage it was a different story. She reportedly yelled, I hate the show, I hate it, after swearing and throwing a cup of water at a floor manager who tried to calm her down.
2: Also, I look like Cole Meany in a wig.
0: Then she returned to her hotel, where show workers promptly called an ambulance to pick out the spaced out woman. Apparently, she could, well, use some example or role model. Miley Cyrus would be one. She handles the stress of her career by going back to the family farm. We
3: explore. I mean, we've lived there my whole life in the same house. And there's still, I swear, every time me and my dad go out, we always find something new. And then that's kind of, you know, our secret spot that we go for a little while. And then we find somewhere better. So, I mean, we just kind of go, you know, like explore around and hang out. Let's
0: let's go to daddy's secret spot. (laughs) <laughs> Tell us more about this secret spot, Miley. There
3: is kind of, you know, where I chill out most, me and my dad, you know. Um, when it doesn't get too hot out, because we aren't going to be there in the summer, we get to go ride horses, and we just walk around, and we have like a little go-kart thingy that we go ride around on and just kind of go crazy.
2: face of a generation. People... Seriously, rubes with money, always a bad uh, idea. Her
3: voice is so off-putting.
2: She called it Daddy's Secret Spot.
0: <laughs> Authorities, however, say it was far more troubling. Yes. Won't people stop giving me awards She thanked God for the best song award At last night's MTV Awards
4: And the, be-
5: the winner for best song in a movie is
0: Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana the movie
3: They least I keep it short, so I don't want to ramble like I usually
2: do. Uh, I want to thank God. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I like how God comes after the fans. It, either thank God first or not at all. It's not like God has an ego that needs to be God's kept in check or something. Kind of and what is it? Is it what is, why is she thanking Is God like the new Desmond child? God sort of sits there. and she's uh,
0: away from the farm, he watches <laughs> over her.
2: <laughs> is that like her. Is that like her online status? Miley Cyrus is away.
0: Please see God in my absence. Thank you. World of sports. Well, she's raising eyebrows. Uh, Her name is Michelle. I wrote down her last name, but lost it. Apparently, she's engaged in some big tennis tournament and grunts loudly as she plays. What?
4: Did and Seth so MacFarlane write this
2: section <laughs> of the show? Exactly. <laughs> I looked away for four seconds to see if I had this web page up that I wanted to refer to. And I came back and I didn't <laughs> understand what was going on. You're probably
0: wondering why the grunt. I'm very aggressive. Uh, I fight for every point,
3: you know. I just play it like it's match point every point. And uh, I have quite a lot of grunts. And uh, it's just something I do. And uh, just really mm-hmm. aggressive and really a big fighter
2: what 's happening here is a, a tennis she, player' yeah. she's grunting while she 's hitting well that 's not a t- grunt that's like a that 's like a a, a whoop sort of a sound well it 's been termed a grunt that w w e fans will know that that's uh, that 's the sort of nature boy Ric Flair sound uh, whenever there 's a slapping going on that 's the sound the audience makes all right would you <laughs> will you please uh, what is the name of that sound bite, Tim?
0: It is grunt one. <laughs> Is there, grunt, is there a grunt two? There is. That was the second is one. Is that grunt one or grunt oh one? Uh grunt 0-1. 01. Grunt 0-1. 01. It's a wave file.
2: File that one away and I'm gonna use that forever. Excellent. Sounds like a car alarm or something.
0: Alright, excellent. That'd be a great bump to calm. Really? Or just <laughs> or a grunt to come or just a just a oh, just something for show. somebody to uh
2: <laughs> just a thing you could sample and put in the uh put in the background or something.
0: Grunt to calm. We gotta take a little break, now. We'll be back with more of the program. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
2: I wonder how long we could play that before everybody would just storm the studio and, uh, and forcibly uh, change the sound well, of something fortunately,
0: it's 30 seconds. That's great. So it can fit anywhere in case we have a spot we want to drop. So I just... So Nobody th- will notice. Here's here's why that
2: caught me by surprise, because I was I took, again, about about a three-second mental vacation, and I went uh, online to look for something that I was going to tell you guys about, and then I came back, and that was happening. Yes. But I encourage you to go to RickEmerson.com, uh, speaking of things you find on the Internet's, so here's what's, here's what's ahead. We'll give away some Motley Crue tickets here in about 10 minutes. Don't call now. Uh, we'll talk again about this. We'll have more news on this uh, This Silvio Berlusconi. He's the prime minister of Italy, and he is allegedly getting it on with this uh, white-hot 18-year-old babe whose birthday party he attended uh, <laughs> uh, like over the weekend or something. So we've got that coming up. Jim Rupp is in Los Angeles. We'll talk about Conan O'Brien's first show that's coming up in the Octomom. But go to RickHemerson.com and go down to the third blog entry. It's going to take you a bit to get past the first blog entry, which is this model chick in a white bikini standing against a wall. Um, But uh, then the second entry is uh, something I was talking to Christy Turnquist. So you go down to the blog entry called immensely gratifying, if somewhat disturbing. Now, let me tell you, this is safe for work. There is no real blood here. There's no, in other words, uh, it's both. It's both graphic and not graphic at all. You don't see any blood, you don't see any uh you know there's no no blood and guts, there's no you don't see anybody's insides end up on the outside. It is this it's this matador, it's this uh, bullfighter in Spain. And I have to tell you, it's one of the most it's one of the creepiest but most strangely satisfying things you've ever seen in your life. Because, you know, it's a bullfighter, and so he's sort of poncing around with his, uh, you know, with, like, the, the red flag or whatever it is he has. And and if you watch it sort of frame by frame, as I did this weekend, you can see that the the bull at one point, you can tell, actually has, like, a big sword sticking out of him. Because apparently that's entertainment. You get into a ring with a thing, and then you just stick it with a pointy uh, a pointy metal spear over and over again until it's dead. Well, the bull at some point just has enough of this and just says, F this, I have these huge razor sharp horns. Maybe I'll use them on this jackass that keeps sticking me with a sword. And I have to tell you, you have never seen a guy regret his choice of career more than this guy. Are you going to watch it? I don't know. You should watch it. Watch, right, watch it now. It. I'll watch it during the break. You should watch it right now in the air. It's, uh, it's, there's no, you don't see any blood. So is uh... <gasps> Oh, yeah, wow. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. How great is that? Oh, that's yeah, amazing. not so funny now, is it, Matador <laughs> Man? Still, still think bullfighting's a sport, huh, jackass? You know what, that guy deserves it. That's exactly my point yeah. too. That's, in fact, that's what I think. I, I think my okay, blog I'm watching the entry.
3: Okay, I just saw the picture.
2: I actually said uh, warning: the following video contains graphic footage. <gasps>
0: wow! Of a ouch. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, that's too much.
2: I'd, I'd ask for my money back. I know. I noted it. I said. I said the graphic footage of a matador bullfighter getting what he so richly deserves.
3: I want to watch that again.
2: It's
0: unsettling, but isn't it deeply satisfying? No, it
3: totally is. Yeah.
0: Time to go to the, the stand to get some uh, more red vines. <laughs> <Take a laughs>
2: Good for break. that bull. Stick enough bulls with razor sharp swords is entertainment, and you get a swift kick in the karma. Oh. Also, you get a horn right through your chest.
3: And no more penis.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your iron lung, dick. Uh, that's
3: oh, awesome. everybody should
2: watch this. It's, so, it's amazing. You get, I know we're describing video on the air, so when you get a chance, go to com. It's safe for work. There's no blood. Uh, amazingly enough, no nudity, nothing like that. You just go to rickemberson.com, go about three blog entries down. You go to the uh, bullfighter uh, footage. That
3: is immensely satisfying. It is, it, you know, and it just,
2: because we always root for animals. Whenever nature and, uh, and mankind face off, we always root for nature on the show. It's good to see a real uh, sterling example of some guy just getting what he's got coming to him. So... All right. There you go. Uh, let's see. Well, straight ahead, we have uh, Motley Crue tickets still to come, a penis watch. And we have to, when we get back, Sarah will reveal uh, the celebrity that she spoke with this weekend. And I still have not talked about uh, the flat out just, yeah, yeah, just just poning on just the greatest of levels uh, of someone that happened at Bourdain uh, on Friday night. So that's uh, all coming up. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101. K-U-F-O. Here's the Smashing Pumpkins. You stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101K UFO. Thank you for coming by today. All right. So I'm wondering exactly what the difference, like soundbite-wise, what the difference is between these two uh, grunting noises that are apparently made by this tennis player. Hold on a second. Let me just. Uh, where's my uh, Where's my audio? Hold on a second. So this is grunt number one. So this is so what this is the sound she makes as she's playing tennis. Yes. It's like she's about to attack Tokyo. And It just goes on and on. and We're not even a third of the way done. That's fantastic.
0: What is supposed to I mean, say? Imagine sitting there listening to that for like, how long does it take for a tennis match? At least an hour? Yeah, I would imagine. That'd be
2: great. Anyway. I, I wonder if either leave. you don't <laughs> notice it after a while or it just becomes just this sort of unholy thing that starts to bore into your brain.
3: I'm very aggressive. Okay, Uh, that's
2: just her talking about it. All right, I'm going to file that grunting noise away for later.
0: Under grunt. (laughs) Yes, Tim.
2: Under grunt. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on this Monday morning.
0: They are vast and many. An 18-year-old is uh, arrested after bringing a bomb to Campus Music Festival. He also gets a ticket for public urination. Then another guy threatens to detonate a bomb in uh, Covington, Washington. He is shot to death before he gets to do so. Going to Canada or coming back from there, starting today, you need documentation. And Eugene wrappers forced a woman to drive to an ATM to take some money out.
2: Uh, it just by the way, are you are you saying that that's this isn't Monica Sellis, though that did this? Who? Okay, so Greg just put it on the screen, he said, if you want, I can get the Monica Sellis as a female tennis player. No, that's a different t- uh,
0: tennis player. This is a different woman.
2: Yeah, he says, I can get the Monica Sellis grunt from Delicious Audio. Really? Is that so? We So there's a whole separate grunt we could find? Yes. Let's make a whole montage of grunting <laughs> of female grunts. tennis players. Sort of a poor man's porn Well, wait, it's a way to make it these days. I didn't think Monica Sellis grunted as much as she screamed. <laughs> Ow, my shoulder blade! That's a 1% joke there. Uh, all right, Sarah Dillon, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well.
2: All right, so there's so much stuff to get to still. So I'm going to do this Motley crew trivia question here. Then we will talk about the celebrity that you met this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the celebrity I saw who was Anthony Bourdain on Friday and just the uh, just the massive owning uh, he unleashed upon somebody whose name might be familiar to you. Before we do anything else, uh, we will now take caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503 503-228- 228 4101. If you can be caller 10 and you can correctly identify the Motley Crue music video that gave us this soundbite. Where is it, Jimmy? If you can correctly identify the motley crew music video that gave us that soundbite, be caller 10 while doing so. You win a Crew Fest prize pack that is Crew Fest DVD from last year's show and fifth row seats to Crew Fest 2 at Clark County Amphitheater, part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow, fourth row, and then the Wednesday, third row, all the way up to Friday, and we do first row uh, to front row seats for that. So uh, if you can identify that soundbite here, be caller number 10. It's 503 228 4101. All right, so. This was Friday you did this? The year? Friday
3: night. So I um, went with my friend Kelsey downtown because we were going to visit Lisa Wood. Right. Who was at the Dixie Tavern for a KUFO event, which was the most hilarious thing I have ever seen. And so th- was this
2: the deal where they had to melt a block of ice? They, didn't or they had not melt a to... block of
3: ice. They, so they had five people. Like, we we drew five names. Right. Had them stand up on the bar at the Dixie, you know, where all the girls are swinging from the things. Um they put five frozen solid T-shirts in front of them that like frozen as solid. So like as
2: KUFO all. shirts or K-UFO something. KUFO shirts had, that were right. bundled
3: up, frozen solid. So they basically put these shirts in front of them. And they're like, "All right, the first person to to thaw these and put on the shirt completely wins a trip to Vegas." So it was nothing but like 15 minutes of people trying to melt the shirts by putting it under various body parts in any way possible. It was disgusting and hilarious and the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life.
2: Hold on, let me crotchify this T-shirt. No, so these so I girls can... they
3: are just like. Like wearing skirts, and they're just like shoving them, you know, everywhere and
2: (laughs) into intimate areas.
3: Oh, yes, it's it it was quite magical. Excellent. So, watch that. So, anyway, um, went down to visit Lisa Wood, and she's just like, Oh, hey, you know, it's crazy in here, blah blah blah. She's like, And she's like, Oh, and she said passively, This person is here. And I'm like, Oh, I'm you know, I was bummed because I thought I missed her. But I went outside, and I saw Tanya Harding in all of her glory.
2: And this is on the sidewalk out front of the Dixie.
3: This was on the sidewalk
2: out front of the Dixie. Color me totally unsurprised. And she
3: was so she was tiny, she's like. Super tiny. She's like yeah. five feet tall. Yeah, she's a small woman. Very very tiny, wearing a um a mini skirt and uh like all like boobs and like. How is heels. that working
2: out for her? The mini skirt.
3: Um, because
2: here's the thing: is she wasn't.
3: She's not fat and she's not thin. She's she's kind of stocky. Like, yeah, she's a little like paunchy.
2: Yeah, she she's kind of a. I mean, at a certain point, it was acceptable. I mean, it's always. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm saying, at a certain point, it didn't. You, you it didn't surprise you that she had kind of stumpy tree legs because she was, uh, because she was a skater, obviously, and that's where all the muscle is. You know, all of the. Well, know, she the, had exercise. the same
3: hair. Like, yeah. Well,
2: she she's unchanged. I mean, did you? I, I saw her on Oprah about three weeks ago. She was this feature interview, and because I think it was the anniversary, maybe of the 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 the, the whacking. Uh, and so Oprah had her, and it and she looked really good. I it, sort of I mean, you know, I mean, she clearly she clearly's has had a, a difficult uh, road of it over the last 15 years or however long it's been. But she looked good. But it was that kind of good looking that you can tell just took hours in a chair with the best makeup people Oprah could possibly find. And you also knew it was the kind that was going to turn back into a pumpkin at midnight uh-huh. uh, where once she got out of there. And you knew that once she left the Oprah taping. She was going to try not to touch her face or disturb the makeup in any way and just let it wear off, like, as slowly as she possibly could. Because she looked great. But um, she'd become a more substantial woman over the years. I'll put it that way. I would so, definitely agree with that. So, so she's on the, was she just out there, like, smoking or hanging out? She out? was out
3: there smoking. So Kelsey and I went outside to not smoke. And um, so we sitting outside, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so bummed I miss Tanya Harding. Then, sure enough, I see this drunk. <laughs> I'm sorry. She was wasted. Excellent. She was drunkest person there and um so she's walking across the street i see this like little person hobbling over i'm like oh my god that's tanya harding and so kelsey and i are totally pretend like you know, smoking our cigarettes pretending like we trying to be all casual yeah, i don't, don't see tanya harding over there then it turns out tanya harding was there for a bachelorette party and when Kelsey of and I outside, she was <laughs> when we were outside it turns awesome. out kelsey went to like high school with the girl whose bachelorette party it was so we started talking to that girl and then tanya came up and she's okay so she's wasted and there's this car parked in front of the dixie and uh she's like does anyone know whose car that is? And we're like, I oh, don't know. She's like, if they're, if they're not going to move it, I'm going to make a move I'm going to make a move it. I'm going to take care of this. And I'm going to go break
2: their knee, allegedly. And not she me. Just, like, she's like,
3: I'm going to take care of this. And she like snapped her fingers and kind of like wobbled down the street. I'm like, what is she going to take care of? I don't understand. You
2: just stop and said to yourself, this is my life. I am standing on a sidewalk next to a drunk Tanya Harding who's threatening to, quote, go handle somebody because their car is in her way. And,
3: and she's, she's all, all tiny. She and her, to pick it up. Yeah, her ankles it. are wobbling. Why was the, What was why. her
2: problem with the car being there?
3: I don't know. I think there was a limo or something coming. It displeased her. Like, yeah, she's like, that car needs to move. Whose car is that? I'm like, I don't know, Tanya. Did you get your photo
2: taken <laughs> with her? Did you get a picture of her at least?
3: No, no, I didn't. I, I tried to.
2: Oh, all right. Maybe, well, so here's the... So then I and I didn't find out about this until after the fact.
3: No, I was obsessively calling him like oh my god Rick get down, here, because, get down but I was at here. the
2: Bourdain thing. That's the deal. Is uh-huh. it, and and they were, you know, they were really really clear about like the um you know about like you know god turn yourself on. By the way, uh, if I can just uh, be about me for a moment. I take issue with their assertion before the before the fact that Anthony Bourdain uh, does not need a, a moderator or an MC because you know I was lucky enough I got to be the moderator for the MythBusters thing when those guys were in town at the Schnitzer and I pushed so hard to be the MC for the for the Bourdain thing I mean I just pushed I mean I like pulled every lever and string I could possibly find. And they were like, Anthony Bourdain does not need a moderator, which I think is not true. I think he would have benefited from that because that audience just became, I mean, they just became,
3: they became very unruly.
2: I mean, it was like seeing soccer hooligans uh, packed into like a symposium about uh, like the space time continuum. It just didn't, it just, it didn't, it didn't stay under control very long at all. Um, But they were real hardcore about turn off your cell phone. So I got done with the Bourdain thing and I had like 50 text messages. Because it turns out that a bunch of people I knew were at the Bourdain thing. And I got a bunch of texts like, wow, this is spinning out of control. Wow, this is this is turning really awkward. Wow, is he just going to walk off stage? Wow. And then later it was sort of like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm glad it got better. I thought he was going to punch that guy. So I had all of these notes coming to me from people inside the Bourdain show. And then like, you know, you have missed 100 calls from Sarah Dillon. And then you finally just send a text message. You're like, I am standing next to Tanya Harding. Come on, call me back. And I just wasn't ever able to do it. And so by the and then I, and then you missed
3: her dancing and like wobbling around and yelling at a car. It was yelling
2: at a car that makes it sound like she's just gone nuts. Like she's shrieking at a rock about something, (laughs) you know? Um, But so then I I sent you back a text and I think I just said like WTF. WTF, Yep. (laughs) And then I think you were gone or whatever. Just, you know, (laughs) it's
3: like, it's only so exciting. Well, okay. and And she's. Still here, still drunk. And then she. <laughs> what else am I supposed to do with this?
2: Then she's sort of just Carl Weather. Weather. She's the Carl Weathers of the whole uh, of, of of the Dixie. Um. So yeah. So I wasn't able to, to answer your phone call because I was at Bourdain. And, <gasps> where you were watching. And among the things, and I'll tell the story real quickly, and then we got a break. We'll come back. Jim Roop will be here to talk about the Octomom's reality show and Conan's first night, and then uh, Tim Riley uh, it will have news and a. Uh, we did the penis watch already. No, we'll do the no. penis watch. Yet. Um. So I was at Bourdain, and so Bourdain comes out. He does this 20-minute minutes, the twenty minute opener, which went really badly. Uh, there's no sense in gilding that Lily. It just went poorly. But then he went to the Q&A, which was great. And it was a bunch of, like, cooks and chefs and people who were world travelers and women who want to hump him and whatever. And so then about, I don't know, five or six questions in, and I apologize for this in advance because we try really hard not to be a show that makes fun of other shows i mean that's not true though that's a flat-out lie what i just said there but i guess what i'm saying is
3: if if the material is given to you it's it's
2: that's the thing you have to use i try really hard not to be a guy who just singles out other radio dudes in portland like to poke fun at them like for no reason so this isn't for no reason i mean i was gonna say we don't make fun of other radio shows but we really do uh but but i try not to be like and now i'm gonna instigate some sort of a thing with another radio guy it wasn't that but sitting a couple rows in front of us is—you um, all may be familiar with a radio program called The Playhouse, <laughs> and so The Playhouse is uh, run by this guy PK, and he's the sort of—he's the sort of ringleader there. He's the—you know—he's the guy that kind of—you know—he's the main guy. He runs that whole—that runs that whole joint. And so the, it was like him and some other folks from that. I don't know how many people are on that show, but it, it, it was, you know, the, the whole gaggle—they were all kind of down front. And um, and you know I know he's a Bourdain fan so he's he's there and he's you know and he's pretty easy to uh, to spot because he's wearing this bright red shirt. So the Bourdain Q and A is starting, and I see um, and I see PK get in line and he's kind of working his way toward the front. And I didn't really think anything else about it. I mean, you know, he's a Bourdain fan. He's you know he's got, he's got a question to ask, just like anybody else. So Bourdain's taken one question, takes question two, takes <laughs> question three, and I'd sort of forgotten that PK was in line to ask a question. And I was kind of, I don't know, I was like looking down and like picking lint off my shirt or something, and I hear this, Anthony, I just want to say I'm a real big fan, and I just, I gotta say, and I, I mean, and it was like, it was so unbelievably loud, it was like someone had accidentally turned up the PA, and his, and and Bourdain had made this thing where he's talking a lot about pork and how pork is the new, he's trying to get people to eat more pork with vodka, He was like, what should I serve with vodka? And he's like, pork, pork is a, a, a meat that people need to eat more of. So, um... But so is like, So I want I just want to say thanks for coming to Portland and having the balls to talk about meat. And, and it was like the loudest thing I could possibly... And, and without even stopping, like, he gets into the second of... And so my second question is... And Bourdain just stops him. He just puts a hand out, like the talk-to-the-hand gesture. And Bourdain just says... And I wrote this down. I wrote this on my BlackBerry. Bourdain looks down at him and says, quote, Step away from the microphone. <laughs> And then there was just sort of this, like this long, sort of lingering pause. Uh, it must be said, um, spiked with a smattering of laughter from the audience. And I think he tried to revisit his second question. I think he tried to go, "All right, well, anyway, I just..." But it all sort of oh, fell apart. Just it sort right? of it all just dissolved into sort of, uh, sort of half muttered consonants. Anyway, so there was that. Draw from that story what ye will. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, Jim Roop will join us from Los Angeles. And Tim Riley at the news desk. This is Danzig. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday morning on Rock 101 KUFO. Yeah. There's go- is this an episode of Miami Vice?
3: <laughs> no, I'm still trying to find the perfect music. So I figure um, since it's Max Muscle and the like, little kink
2: dude. After dark.
3: This is We Don't Need Another Hero. Instrumental. Oh. From Mad Max.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Tina Turner. Yes, oh. Tina
3: Turner. She's an amazing woman.
2: Not kink after dark. Not
3: kink after dark. Okay. Hello. I'm here to talk to you about maxmuscle.com. Why don't you go there? Shall we? Shall we go together? Let's look at it together. Are
2: you speaking to me or just sort of in general? Just to people Okay.
3: in general. Right. I'm delirious. It's Monday. Um, so I have my meeting tomorrow with Larry from Max Muscle, and I'm going to start getting rid of the squishy.
2: Now, is that how you're going to put I mean, I'm not making fun. Is that how you're going to put You're going to be like, look, uh, I look okay, but I'd like to look better and that's exactly maybe I'm just gonna less say, soft.
3: That's exactly it. I'm like, I, I want to look the same, but a little more compacted.
2: It's like when I go to get my haircut, and they go, what do you want? I go, this, uh, but smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
3: he said, so um, that's the good thing is that you don't have to be like some freaky bodybuilder. Like you can actually go there and say, hey, I want to be healthier. Teach me how to be healthier. Um, I want to, you know, uh, be in better shape. Or you can set a certain amount of weight that you want to lose, which I don't know how much I want to lose. But I'm really nervous because I have to do, I think, the before picture tomorrow, too. Excellent. So everyone can see my squishiness in all its glory. But um, So if you go to maxmuscle.com, you can find out a lot of information about it. Uh, If you go also into the stores, all of the employees are actually nutritional specialists who can help you um, figure out what exactly you want to do. And they're not some just random person there looking... To, you know, make a commission off of you. They're actually there. They're educated. They want to help you accomplish whatever goal that you want to do. So, And this um, isn't
2: like you're going to become like some weird ripped out bodybuilding I'm not going to be a Richie Bristol. Like you just <laughs> like you just want to lose some weight and get in better shape.
0: Yes, or like I'm Madonna on her last tour. No, you're not going to be all gristly.
3: <laughs> I don't want to be like Madonna.
2: Are you going to have a photo where you're like have the huge pants that you're holding up <laughs> to <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like the 90 inch waist?
3: I'm going to have like no makeup on and look sad and like stick be, my stomach out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I used to be James Coco from North Plains. says. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, thanks. I'm really
3: nervous. So anyway, so that's tomorrow. That. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what uh, Max Muscle can do for me. Find out what it can do for you. Why don't you? MaxMuscle.com.
4: What's up, traffic?
0: Oh, that must be me. We have an accident. Southwest Jenkins at very Boulevard. <laughs> Also, uh, traffic has uh, some slow patches, it says here, between Marine Drive and Delta Park. And also, uh, it's back to good speeds between Highway 26 and I-5. That's your traffic on Rock 101 KUFO.
1: Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything.
2: Who's an obedient girl? I
1: am! Visit KUFO.com right now.
2: It is the Rick Emerson show it's Rock 101 K UFO Monday morning and good morning to you. Don't forget to go to rickemerson.com where you can see several things uh including this immensely satisfying footage of a bull just given what for to a matador in Spain.
3: It is amazing. That's the best video I've seen. Before.
2: Oh man, they ju- it, it just works that guy. Uh and you can also see a picture of this uh 18-year-old model that the prime minister of uh Italy was apparently getting it on with or he is getting it on with. I hope he still is. I mean, he's already got the bad press and the divorce. So, I mean, you know, look, if you're going to eat it too, you might as well have the cake. You know what I mean? Let's uh, welcome uh, to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, CNN radio correspondent. Uh, otherwise, it's just like you know, having the side effects of the medication without the benefit. You know what I mean? You might as well, uh, might as well have the plus there. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Hello, sir.
5: Good morning, sir. How was your, uh,
2: how was your weekend? Satisfying in every way?
5: <laughs> it, was, it was fine. Thanks.
2: That's I said that That it's fine. Thanks. That's masking uh, a whole multitude of events. I can. Yeah, it, was, it was a big pain in the ass. <laughs> so there you go. That didn't take much prodding
5: at all, did it? And I've never looked forward to Monday more.
2: I was just going to say, is it one of those weekends where you say, thank God it's Monday? Oh, yes. I can't wait to go back and be surrounded by my boss and coworkers once again. Uh, so Friday, uh, that was, uh, you know, Leno's. Sort of final show, but as you pointed out, he's really just kind of moving to a day. You know, it's, it's like celebrating when, like, you know, Seinfeld moves from Tuesday to Thursday or something. <laughs> um, but tonight, though, is is uh, Conan's uh, first show in the Tonight Show slot. Um, and yeah,
5: this, this is, will be interesting.
2: And it was like, I mean, I didn't realize it had been so long ago that they actually said that the gig was his. I mean, it was like four years ago or five years ago.
5: Yeah, five years ago, yeah.
2: And so it's going to be—do you know if the show's going to change a whole lot, as he said, much about what's going to be tweaked, if anything?
5: Well, first of all, they're moving from NBC and Burbank to Universal Studios. Right. That's number one. Number two, the set obviously is going to be different. Number three, Andy Richter's back. Max Weinberg is moving over with him. So the show's going to have that Conan O'Brien feel to it. The problem I think he's going to have is— you know, since people are such creatures of habit, there are those who are going to turn the television on at 11.35 and say, what's this guy doing?
4: Right, right.
5: And and then there are his fans who are going to tune in to say, what's this guy doing? So he's, he has to really walk that fine line with not pissing off people who aren't really ready for him and, and not ticking off his fans who are hoping that he's still going to be the Conan they saw on late night. So it'll be interesting to see what he does and how he moves himself into this program. But, you know, he's always got great writing, great scripts. I mean, that's his forte. So hopefully he'll he'll do what he needs to do to get it all done.
2: Hey, a couple of things here. One, I was actually just talking to uh, to somebody about this the other day. I was talking to, uh, actually, was, uh, uh Lisa uh, Desjardins, of all people. And I was noting how she made some observation about President Chester A. Arthur, I think it was, who, like, I don't know, he went nuts or something and he burned all of his papers at the end of his term. And so there's only like, there's just a handful of things that remain and they've all been archived online or whatever. And I was noting that that is like the Tonight Show with uh, with Johnny Carson where NBC just had this whole cost-cutting thing where they decided they would just use the same tapes over and over and over again for like the first nine years he was on the air. So there's just, there are almost no existing recordings of Carson's first decade on the air, uh, including his very first show. So the first night that Carson hosted the Tonight Show... There, there was, there's no uh, known video recording of that because NBC just thought, I don't know, we'll just degauss these and use them again tomorrow. So yeah, is- there are,
5: there are a few old. Uh, I don't know if they're actually kinescopes, but there's a few old things of when Carson was in New York after those first couple of seasons of the Tonight Show before they moved out to California. But I, I, don't, I think you're right. I don't think there's any first show that uh, just you know the last since 1972 or 1975 or something is when they really have any sort of record of of the, the programs that he uh, that he hosted and although there are there are very few black and whites from New York
2: and so it's interesting to know because it's sort of a re, you know it's like an inverse proportion thing happening where on the one hand you had Carson who the network guy that he sort of took for granted for a long time I and mean, they I, you almost get the feeling they didn't they didn't expect much and then of course he became just a titan and is a powerhouse and defined that genre of television. And then now you've got the Leno-Conan switch, and all the attention being paid to Leno is sort of emblematic of the fact that the network is just putting this massive amount of press and publicity on it. It's almost like this inverted pyramid where there's all of these expectations on what has become, I think it's a fair assessment to say over the last few years, a less important uh, part of the television landscape. It's, it's like There's more importance being put on it now that it actually matters less in a lot of ways.
5: Well, NBC's going to do that because they want the eyeballs to come in, at least the curiosity factor. And then right. they also want those eyeballs back in the fall when Leno starts that prime time show. And and so they're doing everything they possibly can to make it as appealing as they can so people can tune in. And it's going to be really, I mean, the, the onus right now is is seriously on O'Brien. He's got to grab those people now so they like what they see at 1135, and then and they're going to want to come back and see what happens at 10 o'clock, you know, four months from
2: And then I think it was Tim actually who noted that you know a lot of that late night watching that's sort of a holdover from when everybody just stayed up to watch the eleven o'clock news, which does not really happen uh, to the same degree that it that it once used to uh, that it used to. Yeah, and I
5: I think I might have mentioned this when we spoke last, but I think that's going to be uh, Jay Leno's toughest challenge: is to keep that audience for those local newscasts who are depending upon leno to give them a good lead-in so they could sell some decent advertising otherwise they're going to be dropped uh, he's going to be dropped by the local affiliates so they can get whatever they can that gives them a lot of eyes at uh at 11 o'clock uh
2: what's and, uh, i'm sorry go ahead
5: i was just going to say people don't stay up that late anymore as you just pointed out so really 10 o'clock is the new 11:30. hey
2: do we know uh conan's first guest like his first band or his first whatever
5: uh, Will Ferrell will be his first guest tonight, and, and Pearl Jam is his first musical. Oh, excellent! Game. Well, so you can't go wrong with
2: that. Well, I'll be watching.
5: I mean, that's the thing. I'll do
2: it like with uh, you know, with the Kimmel show, I and mean, I'll certainly watch the first week, first couple of weeks, uh, just because it's always it's always great to see a guy kind of make a transition into you know to something like that. So,
5: uh, I, I think I think he'll be Conan O'Brien tonight, but I think he'll he'll tiptoe into it. Uh, real quickly, did
2: something that you predicted, but then it seemed like. It seemed like we had the story three or four times, but now it's actually true. I think there's, they're now officially shopping some sure to be hideous octomom reality show. So. Yeah,
5: she signed on, although no American television outlet has has agreed to air it just yet. And they're not going. It's not going to be like they're going to follow her 24/7. It's just going to be about birthdays or Christmas or certain celebrations or certain events in their lives that the cameras will be at. And it's some some joint in uh, in Manhattan Beach. Uh, that is going to be uh, filming this thing. Sort of like they, a they're just still shopping around. A very octo a book deal.
2: A very octo Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> yeah. right. On that note, my friend, as always, enjoy your day. We will speak with you very soon. Thank you. There you, Thank go. you very much, Jim uh, rope, ladies and
0: gentlemen. All right. Well, the Brady Bunch meet the Octo Kids.
2: That's what I'm saying. See, you could do like a Christmas. Party. You know what they should do? They should do a, an Octo Mom Hanukkah uh, thing. You know, eight, eight. You know, eight nights of uh, presents. Uh, eight. Uh, you know. That's a genius. S- Squirrely-looking little kids. So, all right. Straight ahead news with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. And we want to congratulate Trevor, who was the winner of the uh, Motley Crew tickets. Trevor uh, won the Crew Fest tickets for identifying this noise. That, of course, from Smoking in the Boys' Room from Theater of Pain. Crew Fest tickets tomorrow as well as we get ready for uh, Motley Crue, Crew Fest 2, Clark County Amphitheater, part of KUFO's Summer of Rock. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. <laughs> That's right. There you go. That's one of the best songs ever. Beastie Boys, Intergalactic. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Let's talk about one of our proud partners here. That is Secret Artvark Habanero Hot Sauce. So I went back and forth about the till day uh, thing. So Laura and I on uh, Saturday after Cinematic Titanic, we were at the I don't even know what you call it, but it's the 14th and Hawthorne. You know where all the like food carts are? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is there a name the for that place for the for the conglomeration of food carts? The carts. There's but I mean Cartland. Cartland. <laughs> there you go. So we were at Cartland, Cartonia. And uh, anyways, we were uh, talking about uh, Secret artvark and Habanero stuff. And then I actually had to, this is how lame I am. I had to uh, look up Habanero on uh, my BlackBerry to see if there was in fact a tilde over it. Because I kept seeing it spelled like five different ways. Apparently, no, there is no tilde and it's not Niero, which I've been saying like my whole life. And I'd like to thank everybody for not correcting me for like 35 years. Let me look like a tool. Thanks so much. It is abanero hot sauce. Secretartvark.com is where you can find out more about it. It's got a recipe uh, right? You know, made right here in Portland, and it's a Portland company, and uh, even more important than that, it's just really, really good. And I brought Sarah and Tim. You all each have a bottle now. I'm going to try
0: some tonight. It's right here.
2: Sarah has tried it before, but I thought she might like her own bottle. I'll bring a bottle for Greg tomorrow. And then, Tim, you're going to try yours tonight because... Tonight, I promise. It's uh, burger night. It is... Uh, secret artvark. is uh, wonderful. It's tasty. It's kosher. It's vegan. It really is... Uh, it's the best thing ever, quite frankly. Um, and they kind of talk about it as being, they call it like a 21st century ketchup, which is, I can see why they say, it. you know, it's not ketchup, but obviously it's a hot sauce, but it's, it is because it's an all-purpose sauce. You can use it on everything, because while it is hot, it does have spice to it, it doesn't overwhelm the flavor of your food. So do yourself a favor, you pick some up uh, today, you can find out where they sell it and where they serve it at secretardvark.com. Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce, one sauce to rule them all.
1: Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show, or you'll be filled
4: with- with miserable shame.
1: Listen online.
4: Live or via podcast at KUFO.com.
2: It's the Rick Emerson show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Alright, so does this mean that I can that I can buy GM stock if I wanted to? Or that I I mean clearly I shouldn't, but I mean if I wanted <laughs> to? Yes you could. But if it's just owned by the government, you can still buy stock in it?
0: Yeah, it's semi-owned. Well, you only own 60% of it, but they w- buy 40% of it. That was very confusing. All right. And they're gonna close down 14 plants, uh, including one in Flint. It, I, every time they open it, they shut it down again. That's kind of why would you even
2: bother opening something in Flint at this point if you couldn't say for sure that it was gonna be open for a thousand years? But that is like the definition of insult to injury. Hey, Flint, we're gonna. Oh no, sorry. Hold on. Control. Just teasing. Control Z. Alright, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley.
0: In the news with Tim Riley. So we own sixty percent of GM now. And it's gonna cost us thirty billion dollars. Well, we already spent twenty-five billion, so that's fifty-five billion. In the meantime, twenty-one thousand will still lose their jobs. Up to twenty factories will close, forty percent of dealers will close, retirees will be forced to take ten cents on every dollar. Meanwhile, Oregon's unemployment claims uh, their department claims there are still jobs out there to be filled. What are they? Retail, fast food, waiters, waitresses, cashiers, nurses. 4,600 job openings are now said to be within the state. Now salaries range from $20,000 to the lowest of the low to about $71,000 if you want to be a nurse. Meanwhile, it's time for a penis watch. Here's your penis watch for Monday on The Rick Emerson Show. Take a look
1: at my enormous
4: penis <laughs> My troubles start melting away. Bow, bow, bow. I take a look at bow, my enormous penis. Santa. everything is going my way. Bow,
0: bow, bow. Well, talk about walking like an Egyptian. This is a new take on that. A 25 year old Egyptian man cut off his own penis despite his family after he was refused permission to marry a girl from a lower class. After unsuccessfully petitioning her father for two years to marry the girl, the man heated up a knife and sliced up his reproductive organ. Why would wow. you bother to heat
2: up? the knife? well, I guess you don't want it to get infected. Yes, you don't want there to be any sort of complication from that. Mm-hmm. Apart from maybe the maybe it's
0: easy slicing, I don't know. Uh, the young man came from a prominent family in southern Egypt in the province of Kenya, one of Egypt's poorest and most cooperative areas. It's also the home of the famed ancient ruins of Luxor. The man was rushed to the hospital, but doctors were unable to attach the severed member. The official added "the the uh, police report was filed for the incident, but they, they do not think anybody could be blamed for it. The official who spoke, the, uh, he didn't want his name mentioned because he was unauthorized to speak to the press, added that the man was still recovering in the hospital. Traditionally, marriages in this uh, conservative part of southern Egypt are between similar social classes and often within the same extended families, so he and wasn't... rarely for love. <laughs> So he wasn't allowed to marry
2: a woman from a lower class, so the family didn't approve. Uh, So he then cut off his member, uh, which seems way worse for him than for anybody else involved in this story, by the way. It seems like he's bearing the brunt of the punishment there. Uh, Not only can I not marry her, now I can't have sex with her. Look at that! Yeah! I showed you. Like a hot knife through penis! Instead of butter. Normally it's through butter.
0: I understand. (laughs)
4: Take a uh, look uh, at my enormous penis.
0: Rick Emerson my regrets my the error. <laughs> and, it,
2: and
4: everything. I take a look at my enormous penis. everything is going
0: my way. Here's Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi has denied having an affair with an underage girl and said he would have resigned if he's caught lying about it. I have sworn on the lives of my children. Mr. Berlusconi, 72, is under pressure to explain this relationship with Naomi Letizia, 18, an aspiring model.
2: By the way, you can see a photo of her at
0: rickemerson.com. He attended uh, her uh, 18th birthday party in Naples and gave her an expensive necklace. I cannot remain with a man who consorts with minors, she said. This is his, wife, his wife who's saying that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Berlusconi said he had only gone to a party because he happened to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> With a present. And
2: he, it was not only that, it was, I don't know how much lira, uh, wh- what that means, like how many dollars that is or something. But the gold necklace he gave her was 6,000 lira. And he just happened to have it like, oh, what's this? Oh, <laughs> oh hey. This is under my seat. <laughs> <laughs> I found this in the glove box. I don't know who it was for, but you can have it, little lady.
0: So the leader of the opposition Democratic Party asked Italians at a European Parliament rally, would you want your children brought up by this man?
2: Well, apparently they're going to be brought up by this man whether they like it or not. Incidentally, you go to uh you, go to you see the photo of this hot model. He doesn't deny having the affair, of course, just uh, when she was underage. The best part is, I mean, in addition to her hot photographs, uh, which are all from, I think, her age of majority on up, is this photograph of the guy where, A, he looks like a much better-looking version of Vladimir Putin.
3: He look, almost looks like a better-looking version of uh, Rudy Giuliani.
2: That as well, like less Dobby the House Elf looking. <laughs> also... He's doing the great, almost like the double finger pistols, kind of like having sex with your daughter. Pow,
0: yeah. This guy dictator (laughs) for life. The 18-year-old comments, "Quote: It was a lovely surprise to see the man I call pappy, also means daddy, at my party. I call him pappy, but of course he is second to my father. He gave me a lovely necklace as a present." Mm -hmm. Uh, Silvio Berlusconi also signed a photograph of himself for (laughs) Naomi. As well as a book in which he had written a uh, goose-raising dedication. Oh, goose-bump-raising Dear dedication Naomi. Saying, to my little Naomi.
2: Thanks for all the my sex. My little
0: graphic artist. Your little daddy teacher. Perlis <laughs> Gunnings wife is not happy with this. <laughs> she sent an email to the news agency, Anza. Lario right. criticized her husband for attending the birthday party, saying it really surprised me because... He has never come to the 18th birthday party of any of our children despite so being invited.
2: <laughs> You're a great gal. Thanks for not telling anyone. <laughs> and I'll call you. Happy Sorry, birthday, Sylvia. Please Silvio. start giving Naomi people Naomi says,
0: when Poppy Silvio calls, I come. Unquote. Hmm. Yes,
2: Sarah, what? You
3: need to start giving people pictures of yourself.
2: Is that the uh, is that the grunting tennis person? I
0: believe so. Wait, Did hold you on. make a montage? Just,
2: no, no, no. Uh, Nibbler put this together. So this is what is the name of that tennis player?
0: I don't have her name.
2: The, the old the the, the the previous, uh, the previously well known grunting tennis player was Monica Seles. The new
0: tennis this grunter, the new
2: one. her name is something or
0: other. Something or other.
2: But uh, sure. We had that this morning. There's some, some tennis playing uh, woman who grunts a lot, but she doesn't really grunt as much as she whistles or like a whale or something. So I guess uh, Nibbler put together a montage of the two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should mix that with Whoa. is the uh, where's my court? Uh, there we got that with the court, court and fat boy, and then I've got something else. Where is that? Uh, so this is here's something. So I noticed at one point that uh, Bobby, the, the fat boy, when they play stump the movie douche, uh, whenever he's struggling to come up with the answer, he makes these weird sex noises, sort of like a uh, kind of a thing, and then court, of course, does <laughs> that. So then I think we got this put together, which is. Uh. Oh, that's Richie, oh, that's too. Richie. That's, oh, God. That, that's the third part. I forgot that's Richie's uh, noise right when he was uh, getting his rid of some pus. full
3: of pus. Yeah, he
2: had some pus he was good. Gonna... So there's Court making like a, oh, that was a tough loss. There's Bobby going, oh, this answer's so difficult. And then there's Richie squeezing pus, which I think I put together into... Oh, and the vomiting. The vomiting. end. (laughs) A Quinn Martin production. All right, excellent. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Jim Roop and Steve Kastenbaum for joining us today. Also, Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian. Join us tomorrow, when our guests will include Sid and Marty Croft, creators of Land of the Lost. Also, Don Taylor from Cinematical and Dax Holt from TMZ. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley, as though you would have guessed any differently. Uh, on the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians, uh, gatekeepers Dave Zinn, the webmistress Bridget from upstairs, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me. Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Uh, Coming up next, it is uh, Smells Like the 90s with our good friend, Buzz. It is Monday, June 1st, 2009, ladies and gentlemen, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Always watch out for snakes. Bye now. Attention, broadcasters
1: in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.